0: a future agenda item for the delegation. We've got some uh, tables set up to accommodate all of our members with microphones and I'd like to thank Nick LaValle for that. We also um, need to explain tonight that we're going to do something a little bit differently. We have board member Christopher Ortega joining us by teleconference. He is out of town on business but because we are in this building and we have the technological capabilities to um, pipe him in by telephone we've done that. So before I get started, I need to explain a little bit of the protocol regarding teleconference participation. So um, I'm going to ask board member Ortega, hi Chris. Hi Jody. Could you please uh, let everyone know where you are?
1: I am in Santa Monica, California on a business trip.
0: And are (laughs) everyone just gave a heavy sigh, Chris. Are you um, by yourself in the room?
1: I am. I'm at the Ambrose Hotel here in Santa Monica and I am in my room by myself.
0: Thank you, Chris. Glad you could join us. We appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm going to note that the proceedings tonight, because we have a member teleconferencing in, we're going to follow RSA 91-A colon 2 Roman numeral 3, which simply states that all parties must be able to hear and speak to each other, and I believe that is the case that the meeting needs to be audible to the public, which is also the case, that we've identified all persons present, and that the votes on any agenda items tonight taken by the school board need to be um, by roll call vote. So with that, I will move on to agenda item number two, approval of the February 7th, 2011 minutes. Do I have a motion made by Shannon, second by Jennifer. Are there any corrections or clarifications? Shannon?
2: We can start at page two. Third paragraph from the bottom, starting with Mr. Pym. And I believe it's Fidelity Investments, pluralized. We go on to page four. And the first line of the page, um, board member Barnes asked, um, already been asked, so if we can change, asked to appreciate the willingness of. So it'll be, Board Member Barnes, appreciate the willingness of Mrs. Allen and Ms. Meehan to share, etc., etc. And then on to page 8. It's in three places, but the same correction. It's trustees of the trust funds, pluralized funds. It's in the first paragraph twice, and the third from the bottom once. And those are my corrections.
0: Roy, did you have anything?
3: Yes, I did. Thanks. Um, first on page 8, uh, fourth paragraph. On the second line there, introduction yeah. course as opposed, O-P-P-O-S-E-D. It's just a misspelling. And then on uh, page 10, uh, item number 14, the second Sentence uh, at the end, uh, end of the line stated that approximately 20 different amendments were proposed to the budget, not made to the budget. And that's
4: it. Jen? Um, I just have two. On page eight, uh, last paragraph of the page, if we could just change it, shows Vice Chair Valencourt. That should be Chair, Chairman Valencourt. <coughs> and also on page seven third paragraph down. If we could just add to that, Sandy, um, she questioned whether the town or school district would purchase the large floor mats that are necessary to cover the gymnasium floor, just as a little um, explanation in the minutes. (coughs) And that's all I have.
0: Thank you. Any other corrections or clarifications? Seeing none, we'll put the minutes, February 7th, 2011, to a vote. All those in favor, please signify Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Just said that. Christopher, are you still with us? I am. Okay. Are you ready to vote on the minutes? Or do you have any corrections or clarifications?
1: I do not. Okay.
0: We will take a roll call vote on the minutes. Thank you, Marge. Getting such a habit. Um, Why don't we go down the line? We'll start to my right with Board Member Barnes. How do you vote? Aye. Board Member Swanger? In favor. Vice Chair Thornton? In favor. Board member Ortega? Abstain. And the chair votes in favor. So it passes 401 with board member Ortega abstaining. Thank you, Chris. Item number three tonight is public participation. This is an opportunity for members of the public to address the school board. Share their concerns, share their opinions, address us regarding any dist- uh, district matters. Does anyone want to come forward and speak under public participation this evening? <coughs> Seeing none, we'll close public participation. Item number four acceptance of gifts and grants under $5,000. Matt?
5: Thank you. Um, As you probably recall, um, several months ago we had a a young gentleman come before the school board uh, for an Eagle Scout project to to take place over at Reed's Ferry School. He was a former student at Reed's Ferry School and wanted to give something back to that facility. As a result of that, he had done a lot of fundraising efforts on his own, using his own time, a lot of efforts. Um, And the project has been completed. However, there is money left as far as the fundraiser that wasn't spent on the project. That amount is $364.30, and he would like to donate that to uh, Reed's Ferry School. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Matt. Any questions? Roy? Uh,
3: I just wanted to say this is kind of extraordinary because I don't recall any case of this happening where someone who had done a project for the schools had then. Taken the excess proceeds and, deli- and donated that to the schools itself. And I think uh, that uh, Matthew Beck is to be commended for this because it also shows the kind of the best qualities of scouting in addition to just being a nice act for the schools.
0: Matthew's dad happens to be sitting in the audience as a current member of the school budget committee. So please take our thanks back to Matthew if you would. Mike, thank you. Any other questions or comments? Do I have a motion? Shannon?
2: I move to accept.
0: There a second, Roy. We'll now do another roll call vote. We'll start down the line again, just because it's easier for me to <laughs> remember who, who's already voted. So we have a motion on the floor to accept gifts and grants <coughs> under five thousand dollars. Board member Barnes, how do you vote? In favor. Board member Swanger. In favor. Vice Chair Thornton. In favor. Board member Ortega. In favor. And the chair votes in favor. Approved five zero zero. Thank you. Item number five on tonight's agenda is the Consent Agenda. We have the approval of Public Safety Violence Prevention Policy, otherwise known as the Bullying Policy. Do I have a motion? Roy?
3: I move that we accept the Consent Agenda.
0: Is there a second? Shannon? We will take another roll call vote. (coughs) Motion to accept the consent agenda. Board Member Barnes, how do you vote? In favor. Board Member Swanger? In favor. Chair, Vice Chair Thornton? In favor. Board Member Ortega? In favor. And the chair votes in favor. Consent agenda passes 5-0-0. Discussion about legislative issues with Merrimack's legislative delegation. We have several members of the delegation joining us tonight. We're absolutely thrilled to have you here. I would like to introduce senior member Chris Christensen. Good evening, Chris. If you'd please come forward and have all the other members come forward and then I'm going to ask you, Mr. Christensen, if you would be so kind as to introduce the members of the delegation for those of us here tonight and for those watching at home in the uh, studio audience. It's just make sure the little tiny green light that you can hardly see is on when you speak.
6: Thank you. Yeah, I think I'm good. Are we all good down that way? Okay. Uh, thank you very much for having us tonight. To my left is Senator Ray White. Uh, obviously, I'm Chris Christensen. And moving down the line to my right is Lynette Peterson then Dick Hinch, Joe Thomas, and far right is Dick Barry. Uh, Kathy Strout called me just a little while ago and uh, unexpectedly was unable to attend. And we knew in advance that Tony Pellegrino and Janine Nauter had conflicts, so they are not here, but uh, they send their uh, best wishes for a successful evening. Uh, let me just make a couple of quick points, and <laughs> we'll try to move quickly because I left my glasses home. Uh, but we have half a dozen items that you had expressed an interest in discussing and to simplify that a little bit we we broke it up amongst ourselves uh, so that one person would lead the discussion on each item although others may chime in and certainly I think at any time uh, any board members have questions or comments uh, the back and forth uh, feedback is, is a good way to go. So I think the first one of those. Uh, On on the letter we received was House Bill 39, um, which had to do with um, core curriculum, and and that was Dick Hinch. But let me precede some of this just with a couple of overall comments, because uh, I I think in the back of everybody's mind is, what about the budget? And I I think we'll get to that as we go through it. So it's not specifically addressed, but will be... Uh, for those areas where it has some impact. So uh, with that in mind, I'm going to let Dick Hinch go next, if he doesn't mind.
7: Okay.
8: Thank you, Chris. Um, As Chris said, uh, one of the uh, uh, questions that you all had was about House Bill 39. Is a refresher for you and for the audience. Um, Yes. As a refresher, uh, House Bill 39 uh, is an act relative to the adoption of common core standards in New Hampshire uh, and relative to the uh, substantive content of an adequate education. Um, What does all that mean? Um, This bill, and I should say as an introduction to this bill, this bill went before uh, and had a public hearing before the education committee last week and it went through executive session last week. Again, because I'm the first speaker and for the benefit of of you and more importantly for the viewers at home, let me give you just a very brief understanding of the procedure that happens. Um, In the infancy a bill uh, is initiated uh, in its earliest phase. It's called a legislative service request It then becomes a bill. That bill is then assigned to a committee, uh, and depending upon the content of the bill, that determines what committee uh, it will um, start off in. It uh, may end up with a second committee, uh, and that happens uh, in all instances on any bill that has a financial note attached to it, which means money, Um, and secondarily, when, once it goes to the floor uh, of the House and, the, and all 400 representatives have an opportunity to vote on it, uh, the speaker could assign it to a second committee um, for a myriad of issues, or it can actually be sent back to its originating committee um, if it needs a little bit more tweaking to it. House Bill 39 um, was uh, went before public hearing ed- of the Education Committee, It went through the exec session last week um, on uh, Thursday or Friday uh, and this bill was determined to be uh, inexpedient to legislate, which essentially means the bill, um, this bill is killed. Um, Obviously, it goes to the floor and the floor has to then accept that inexpedient to legislate um, decision by the committee, assuming it does, it, it is then dead. The floor can overturn that and and can also vote to pass the bill. The reason this bill was ITL'd, inexpedient to legislate, was because it was a duplicate of House Bill 164. And that's important for you to note. Um, And 164 also dealt with uh, common core uh, state standards for adequate education. House Bill 164 was passed by the House um, a couple of weeks ago, so 164 is really the bill um, that will deal with um, Common Core standards. Um, The um, uh, origination of this bill was one to determine, um, you know, whether the state should have control of Common Core standards or more importantly whether the local school boards should have that and also understanding that um, for those who don't know it the adequate education funding uh, is thirty four hundred fifty dollars per student Um, but yet there's a common core um, uh, menu if you will for lack of a better term uh, that's out there that you know if you did the math would would come out to mandating something that is significantly more than that, so the genesis of the bill was how can we mandate uh common core standards um to the degree uh that is greater than the money that is that is um, um, sent to the individual municipalities school districts for um adequate education funding again thirty four fifty if you relate that thirty four fifty to what uh, in the town of Merrimack we use for um, a formula for our children, you can see that it's you know only a third, slightly less than a, than a third of, of you know what that is. So um, you know that was the genesis of the bill, and um, house bill thirty nine to make a long story short, was killed. House Bill 164 is the bill that will move forward and now um, once it comes out of the House it now goes to the Senate. The Senate um, gets to um, take their uh, review of it, they go through the same process as the House where they have um, public hearings in uh, their uh, Senate committee that's assigned to it, again it would be education and then they also execute. it, they bring it before all 24 senators Um, and uh, if their version that comes out is the same version that came out of the House, then that bill travels to the governor for his signature. If there's a difference between the two, if the Senate makes a modification of any degree to any bill that's sent over from the House, um, then it comes back to a committee of conference where um, representatives from both the House and the Senate confer on that bill Uh, and um, come to a meeting of the minds. The reverse happens as well when the Senate passes a bill over to the House. We vote on all Senate bills as well too. Um, Again, just not to take up all the time, but bills that are going from the House to the Senate, um, there'll be a crossover date, which is the official date that all bills before the House must be um, um, legislated and, and acted upon unless they're going back to further study, um, and that's going to happen in a couple of weeks. So we will send all of our bills to the Senate, and the Senate will send all of theirs back over to us, and it's just like Christmas. Um, We both get presents. So, um, and then everything gets worked on from there. Okay?
0: Thank you, Dick. And if it's okay with the delegation, I'd like if probably the easiest way for people to follow along too would be to allow, once we've discussed one of the particular questions that we posed to you, if I could open the floor to the um, school board for any questions or comments. Take each item as as it comes along, if that's agreeable to everybody. Okay. Any questions or comments from the board? Roy?
3: Yeah. um, I I wasn't all that aware of HB 164. um, My... Understanding is that what it does is requires legislative approval of changes to the core curriculum, but it doesn't make any changes yet in itself. Is that correct?
8: The House Bill 164, um, I will read the analysis to you. Um, it is an act requiring legislative approval for the adoption of Common Core <coughs> state standards in New Hampshire. This bill requires prior approval of the general court for the inclusion or implementation of the Common Core state standards in the definition of an adequate education or as part of the New Hampshire curriculum uh, frameworks.
3: Right. so the, one of the major differences is HB 39 was actually going to remove components of the curriculum, technology, uh, world language, art and music, whereas this doesn't seem to do that. Um, my question about that this bill is, where it says it needs legislative approval to include the, um, these core curriculum standards, which are passed by, legi- by administrative rule um, in the adequacy definition. Does that change the current definition? In other words, do we have to now get legislative approval to re- or I guess re-get legislative approval for what an adequate education is? Or is this just preventing changes to that? essentially preventing the Department of Education from saying, uh, now we require physical education or something like that?
8: Um, I would say to my understanding, I'm going to kind of deflect just a little bit, Mm. that still is somewhat fluid in the interpretation. Um, uh, I was under the impression that um, this was really intended to target the amount of funding and to make it so that we understood what the funding was paying for. Um, And to that degree, um, you are corrected in House Bill 39, um, arts, education, world language, health education, technology education, information, communication technologies were um, taken out of what was considered to be the core standards of an adequate education. I NEED TO UNDERSTAND BETTER THE BACKGROUND OF 164 BEFORE I GIVE YOU A DEFINITIVE ANSWER ON THAT UNLESS YOU REMEMBER FROM TESTIMONY ANYBODY? NO? No. No. OKAY. OKAY. THAT'S A GOOD QUESTION THOUGH.
0: I'LL START, ROY? YEAH. ANYONE ELSE? QUESTIONS, COMMENTS? SHANNON?
2: AND I'M ACTUALLY GOING TO ASK THIS OF EACH uh, ITEM THAT COMES UP TONIGHT. And essentially it's W I I F M, what's in it for Merrimack. Can you um speak briefly to how each of these um each of these topics are going to impact the district as, as the vote goes through in favor or not in favor from your estimation based upon your your experience on the floor?
8: From my experience on the floor um and from everything I've been able to to gather from what's going on. Um, I would suggest, and I say this with all due respect to everybody, whether it's town council, school board, whoever it is, I would respectfully suggest that everybody fasten their seat belts because the budget situation that we have right now uh, is uh, is just a uh, 5,000 pound elephant that's in the room. We have a $900 million budget debacle that we're dealing with, and I would say although the best intentions are um, and everyone is working towards the same end whether it be House Senate or the governor to prevent as much downshifting as possible Uh, and I've heard words that go all the way from whatever you received this year they say last year but it's this year that we're working in right now Uh, expect the same uh, no more than that next year Um, I'm starting to hear Recently, and obviously, when we get to Dick, he'll talk more specifically about it because he's in finance. But um, in talking with various uh, individuals in the State House, uh, there's no guarantee that's going to happen. The budget is becoming a five day a week job for those on finance. And I would say um, to you, um, prepare for less funding to come, which unfortunately you're not going to know about the, that dollar amount. Until after our town meeting has taken place, you won't know what the number is going to be. Until June, we won't know what the number is going to be until June. But I would prepare um, budgets um, that that take a couple of scenarios into uh, into place and and uh, uh, not go to the bank, thinking that we're you're gonna we are gonna get in Merrimack the same that we received in the current year that we're in right now. That's that's the goal, but I think right now that goal is becoming uh, less um, of a reality because this $900 million issue is not as easy as many people would think to cure. So um, I'm not sure, Shannon, if that directly, you, you know, you said what's in it for Merrimack, and what I'm saying to you is what's in it for Merrimack is um, uh, prepare for a receipt of educational funding, whether it be uh, ade- adequate education or catastrophic aid or, or whatever, to be um, less. Um, it will not be more, I can assure you. It will not be more. It could be the same. Most likely it would be less.
0: Shannon, you all set for hospital 39 and 164. We'll take it for now. Jen, did you have any? <coughs> no. Okay. Chris, did you have anything you wanted to ask or add regarding House Bill 39, which we understand now is 164?
1: Yeah, nothing additional, Judy. Thank you. Okay,
0: thank you, Chris. Um, I just want to throw in my two cents um, and say I do say this with all due respect. I know there are a lot of people that really value education, um, working on our behalf in Merrimack, and I appreciate that. But um, I have an issue. I had a really, um, I-, I do not, did not support House Bill 39 at all. Um, I am like Roy, I'm, I've not heard as much about 164, I'm going to have to do a little research myself. Um, it doesn't sound as dramatic as 39, but um, I've got a problem with the subject matters being taken out of core curriculum. I, I, We are working so hard as a school district and as a state to develop curriculum based on state standards that to me this is just taking a step backwards um, and if the funding isn't there for the adequate funding, the the adequate education, the funding isn't there, but just because the funding isn't there doesn't mean that that redefines what the curriculum ought to be for an an adequate education. Lack of funding does not redefine what it should be, in my opinion. Um, So I I was very, very concerned about House Bill 39, and I said, we all know there's funding issues, but um, to take a step backwards with regarding what core standards are, what, um, I mean, we're working on competencies. Everything's being done at a state level. I think we really need um, consistency statewide. So I personally, anything that's going to tinker with um, taking things away from what's required from our curriculum, I, I don't support at, at all. And I just hope that you would keep that in mind. If the funding's not there, the funding's not there. But to me, it's, uh, I don't know, saying it's more about local control. I I, I think that's I don't know that I think that's a way to sugarcoat it, honestly. Um, we'll take it if the funding's not there, but please don't redefine what an adequate education is for the school districts in the state that have been working so hard towards standard-based curriculum. that's That's um, what I wanted to say. Okay. So thank you. Moving on to the next item.
6: Okay, the next item we still, yeah. the next item was it had to do with bullying. let me let me follow up with a, a couple of comments on that. I think. For those of you who go back just a short time in history, 15 years or so, with the Claremont decisions and so forth, the concept of the state doing some of the funding and the adequate education and so forth, the definition that we're looking at right now for adequate education is only a couple of years old. If you look back at the funding, the Claremont decisions and so forth, it may be 15 years old, but it's changed several times. I think you're going to see changes in the definition of adequacy several times over the next 10 to 20 years. So yeah. whatever you have now is, is going to change. Whatever you have two years from now is going to change. And whatever you have four years from now is going to change. I can't say which way it's going to change, but don't expect well, the thing And I understand that, but I think we've
0: made great strides moving forward. Defining well, I don't adequacy. With that, and, I, and I hate to see, because of financial straits, the definition itself taken a step backwards just because of finances. That's, that's my only, my only concern.
6: Understood. I respect yeah. that. I'm just saying that there are going to be changes over time. Uh, the other thing that you can look at, we, we mentioned Dick Barry on the finance committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other half of the budget is managed by the ways and means, the, the income or the revenue side of the budget. Uh, the house did pass um, House resolution 11 and that essentially is is the house estimate or support of the committee estimates of what we anticipate revenues to be and the revenues anticipated for the coming fiscal year are very, very close to the revenues that are uh, in line for this year. So we're not expecting huge changes in revenues. What HR 11 does is is it points out some of the taxes and fee repeals, reductions that are are likely to happen. And uh, as Dick mentioned, there's a goal to maintain the uh, levels of support for the school systems and uh, for such things as uh, uh, revenue sharing to uh, municipalities. So that's the goal. Uh, while we're on that just a little bit, and I think we'll get more of it later, uh, I notice your next agenda item has to do with discussing the governor's budget. And I would say if you look at some of the stuff that's coming out of the governor's budget versus what's more likely to actually happen, there are some big discrepancies. One of those is that the governor suggested dropping completely uh, support for uh, pension funding. Last year it was 25%. A couple of years ago it was 35%. The governor said, oh, you guys have been doing this, getting this money for you know, since 1998. It's time you didn't get any anymore and you lived on your own. And for Merrimack, that's a little over a million dollars as I understand it. So uh, I think the goal is to get that 25% and, and and do that. But you can see that there's going to be some big discrepancies between what the the governor put out and what, Uh, the House and Senate have goals. Uh, Nevertheless, the next item on on your list was uh, to do with bullying. And uh, Kathy Stroud was going to talk about this a little bit, but I'm going to try and fill in for her. So if I'm uh, not up to that level of detail, you'll uh, you'll have to bear with me. And I I understand that you've just passed your... your, uh, new bullying uh, policy. So I know you've been working with it. Um, So essentially the the issue was uh, House Bill 370 and uh, under current law, it's an administrative decision to notify parents, uh, as I understand it, to notify parents if there's a bullying situation uh, that's been reported and in some instances you may or may not Decide to do that, and under the new bill, um, let's call it a parental notification bill. I think you're going to be required to notify the parents. Um, the bill, or under under current policy, um, schools have a 24/7 worldwide geography, or at least regional geography, where they can uh, have some. Responsibility for bullying, and the new bill uh, restricts that somewhat. Uh, It's more a bus stop to bus stop kind of thing, and those things that happen on uh, or not on school property or not on school time are not necessarily the school responsibility. I think that's probably a good thing because I think it's very difficult for you to be responsible for things that happen uh, on a weekend that have nothing to do with school. However, uh, the third part of it basically um, does say if for some circumstance you become aware of bullying, then it goes back to the parental notification, and if you're aware of it, then you have an obligation to do some parental notification. And I think that's a very uh, brief form on it, and I I can't say how you're new policy uh, addresses those issues, but I'm sure you've been through well, the Well, this details. is something
0: that is going to be evolving. I see this is to be a work in progress. Marge, did you want to weigh in? I was just going to say, I think um, the reference that was
9: made in the letter, Chris, and, and if Kathy was taking care of it, you might not know it, but um, we were concerned about the mandatory re- training requirements because what it says is really that we're responsible for doing training of all people, volunteers, bus drivers, all people, year after year after year and I think everyone understands that in the beginning when a policy is brought forward there's a real need to notify everyone but it's it's um, the cost of trying to figure out how to train year to year to year to year and and I think um, when it was specified to you that was the part that was the most concerning because it does have this recurring cost if you will.
6: Give me just a second. I don't see anything addressing that particular issue uh, in the uh, analysis of the bill, Uh, so I I can't really address that for you tonight, but we'll take a look at it.
9: I I think we would appreciate, if if, um, you don't have an answer tonight, not to worry. I mean, these are very complex bills that are ongoing. But I think what we thought was that during this legislative session, that was going to be perhaps reviewed again or looked at, So if um, that could just be investigated by our delegation, that would be very helpful to even find out what might the future bring forward. You know, if it's not um, modified this year, it might be another year. But I think we're very anxious to know for our future.
8: Good point. Uh, If I may, uh, this bill uh, is going to be going for a public hearing tomorrow, and it will be exact on Thursday. So we will know more information on if there's uh, any changes to this bill uh, after Thursday.
0: Thank you. I think we'd be interested in hearing um, any other school districts have brought concerns forward to their um, representatives as well. The manpower that it would take to do the training that's required currently, I don't think we we, we might even talking about possibly addition to staff to um, handle the t- the Quantity OF TIME THAT IT WOULD TAKE TO DO THE TRAINING NECESSARY. Um, because IT GOES ALL THE WAY DOWN FROM YOUR FULL-TIME STAFF DOWN TO ALL YOUR VOLUNTEERS, um, BUS DRIVERS. SO that, THAT'S AN INCREDIBLE AMOUNT OF TIME. AND THAT, FINANCIALLY SPEAKING, THAT IS A, um, a CONCERN FOR THE SCHOOL DISTRICT.
8: NICK? AND JUST IN CONCLUSION, <coughs> I'M SURE YOU DO UNDERSTAND uh, HOUSE BILL 370 ACTUALLY uh, IS REVISING THE ANTI-BULLYING LAW TO REPEAL MANDATORY TRAINING. That is the genesis of the bill, so um, okay that was
0: three seventy you said David? yeah House
8: Bill three seventy, which is the anti bullying law, and um, it, it is an act to repeal mandatory training
2: and you said it's going to be exact afterward
8: yeah, the, again, if you go through the scenario that I used, the first public hearing will be tomorrow, and then on Thursday. That same committee will meet um, at at some designated time to go through, and that committee votes on the action of that bill, whether it's ought to pass or ITL or send to committee for further study. From that, it then goes to the House floor, um, and actually, it would go to the House floor next week because of the timing that we have.
6: Thank you. When he says exec, uh, shorthand for executive session? However, executive session for us is not non-public. Correct. It just means the committee is meeting within themselves and the public can observe but not participate.
2: I'm just, uh, because honestly, I was wondering if that let you matter executive council. So yeah. you have your lingo, and I know we try very hard on <laughs> our end to minimize the acronyms because it's you know we're in our element, but it, it gets kind of hazy when you know we're listening to other people's elements. So if we ask you to repeat stuff, it's really because we want to make sure that no, we know fine. where we're
10: at. <laughs> Thank you. I do know I
6: spoke to the, the sponsor of the bill. It's Ralph Bohm, uh who some of you may know he used to be a school board member in, in Litchfield. And uh, he has an amendment pending on this bill that he'll probably present tomorrow uh, that will take out the list of what constitutes bullying. And I think the, the rationale behind that is that uh, there are any number of things that may be bullying and that if you... PUT IN A LIST, IT STARTS TO BECOME RESTRICTIVE AND WE CAN'T PREDICT NOW what, WHAT MAY OCCUR DOWN THE ROAD AND SO IT'S TO OPEN IT UP A LITTLE BIT MORE uh, TO uh, BROADEN THE SCOPE AND BE A BETTER PROTECTOR FOR THE STUDENTS IS, is THE INTENTION as, AS I UNDERSTAND IT.
0: ANY OTHER QUESTIONS OR COMMENTS FROM THE BOARD? Chris, did you have any questions or comments you wanted to weigh
1: in? Um, I just—I've uh, got the opportunity sitting in the room here to uh, to look online at these bills as as I look at them, and unfortunately, in this one, I I, I didn't see the uh, the removal of that training requirement. And I agree with you that the, the, that our concern is around the the scope of what that training represents and and the volume of people that we would need to train, and so. Um, I hope in fact that that is in fact a a piece of it and I would just um, also convey that I I think the 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 challenge with broadening the scope is is you know the the, on the one hand it's it's protecting the students the other is as a district I think it also sets us up for potential liabilities if if bullying is not well defined um, it becomes something and we've had this conversation at our table um, you know in the eye of the beholder and um, you know we're required to do quite a few things as it relates to this and I and I think the challenge that we have is, is that if if we aren't clear about what bullying is and we're required to do things then then everything is is can be perceived to be bullying, and, and we have uh, a liability there. And so I, I understand the, the desire to um, broaden the language, but by the same token, I think it's a, a challenge um, in terms of a district's requirements to act when, when just about, I don't want to say just about anything, but the less clear the language is, um, the more difficult it is to define.
0: Thank you, Chris. All set? Yes. Thank you. Ready to move on?
6: Good point. Uh, I think the next one was catastrophic aid. And I think Joe Thomas is going to speak to us a little bit about that.
11: House Bill 318. Uh, This is an act reducing a school district's liability for special education costs. This bill reduces the liability of school districts for special education costs to two times the estimated uh, state average expenditure per pupil. Uh, First off, this bill is not going to be retained. In other words, it's not going to go out this year at all. It's going to go back to the committee And it probably will will not come up again this year. And uh, this bill is basically meant to reduce the uh, money allocated to students with special needs and uh, to set a lower limit for the amount the state will pay. However, the way the budget seems to be going and the way that uh, even the governor, when he came out, that no matter what was going to happen, uh, it looks like there's going to be reductions and uh, allotments for this, and um, I guess this thing goes back to originally when these bills were set up, I guess in the 70s, uh, I guess that was the beginning of it, or around that period, the federal government was agreeing to pay 45% of the cost, up to 45% of the cost for doing it, and lately now we're coming to a place where they're paying between 75 to 15% if we're lucky. And so the way the state is with with money, uh, this bill itself is, is dead, but money is going to be tight. I talked to the uh, chairman, uh, Joseph Petrie, this morning and asked them his feel on it, and uh, they're looking into it, and I'll get back with them a little bit more on it later. Um, I hate to use this as an excuse, it sounds like when I was in school they... Uh, the dog ate my uh, homework type of a thing. But anyway, my computer was down and trying to get in touch with it and finding out about this until a little later. So I apologize for trying to catch up a little on it. But anyway, uh, do catching up, uh, it is a stupid a, a stool going through some motions, but the money isn't there. That's what we're coming down to.
0: Thank you. Questions, comments? Roy? Uh,
11: yeah, I, I don't think anybody up here
3: would ever believe that we would actually have to spend less at the district level in, in uh, special education. So I, I couldn't see that particular bill going forward, um, even in the best of times.
11: The governor's... what you can dream,
3: right? Uh, we, we can dream, <laughs> yes. Um, the governor's uh, initial proposal is to change in, um, the district liability um, from three times... Uh, anything up to three times the state average to ten times the state average. In other words, catastrophic aid would only cover the those most expensive students, essentially the top 50% maybe of your typical out-of-district placement or something right, like that. Yeah. Um, That's my Like uh, Representative Christensen did for the uh, uh, retirement, and I'm sure we'll get into that more, but do you have any sense of what reality will be I mean, because this is the kind of thing that we do have to kind of plan for for our our deliberative session in our town meeting. So, I mean, do you have any sense of what the House is thinking, for example, in terms of the governor's proposal, whether that's likely to come to fruition or something between the current state and, you know, three times, ten times? That's a lot of money. I would like to
11: turn this over to my <laughs> good buddy right here on the right. That kind of gets me.
12: we'll help get him off the off the hook. <laughs> uh, the the governor started that ball rolling. This is aid to the neediest of the needy. From what I understand, Merrimack doesn't have a placement of of uh, special needs oh, yeah, to to uh, what, what do they call them. Uh, Homes, uh, homes where you stay. But uh oh, we have residential, residential We do have some residential. You, you do have residential yeah. ones. Okay. Yeah. The, the reason I thought that was my my daughter, one of my daughters works at a residential home, so I'm I'm pretty close to that. She teaches, uh, national school for children, and I I tend to go there a couple of times to work with the kids. So I was paying close attention when the governor said he's going to change catastrophic aid and is going to move it back at least. Uh, that piece of it, the the high-end piece. Uh, My reaction, that's a start. If you think that's going to come down, I think you're uh, thinking the wrong way. I I think it'll be worse than that.
0: You think it'll be higher than 10 times?
12: I I think it won't just be catastrophic aid that gets downshifted. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, I was kind of assuming that we've also
3: got Well, we've got our analysis of building aid catastrophic aid, retirement and all, but I'm just trying to get, as we talk about each piece, um, my my gut tells me that if a governor in one party proposes a cut that the other party probably never foresaw him proposing. It's not likely to be less than that. But I'm just trying to get a sense of where this might end up come June, if we have any idea.
12: Let me me share the, the next piece of it. I am... I am on finance. I'm on Division Three, which is (coughs) education. It's health and human services, Mm -hmm. and that's where the money comes out of. Uh, And we haven't we haven't gotten all the way to there yet. We are looking at taking 200 million out of that budget. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's I mean when you're talking catastrophic. This this equates to a million million
0: dollars for the Merrimack School District. I I understand. I I understand
12: that very much. Uh, what i 'm saying is mm-hmm. we 're looking at two hundred million right and and much of the
3: h h s budget is non discretionary i mean it really comes down to Mo-
12: bodies. most of the h h s budget is to the neediest of the needy mm-hmm. and this this obviously is very very needy children mm-hmm. uh, very difficult to handle uh, i would I would not count on anything better than what the government said what the governor said
0: and, and a lot of their placements. I mean, we have federal and state mandated laws that require a lot of what we do. So again, we're being, we're having, we're abiding by federal and state mandates, but but we're getting no federal or state money for it. I so. Understand.
12: And, and you talked about uh, local control a little bit earlier, and and you you were a little concerned about that when you're talking with Chris. I mean, with Dick Hinch, you folks are closer to what's going on. That's part of what the governor's concept is. You are the ones who do the IEPs. You're the ones who work with the providers. You're the ones who figure out what the costs are going to be for that. You manage it. You probably ought to pay for it is what the concept is.
7: (laughs) It's
6: <laughs> a so nice concept. Is, except is, except that
12: well, right, is that friendly to? But,
7: but a lot of
0: what a lot of what is um, developed in an IEP is as the result of a state or a federal law, for which I, as a school board chair, have absolute no control over. So, pardon me.
5: The rate is set by the state. The
0: rate is set by the state. Some,
5: some of
12: the rates are, and and also the the type of care is is uh, not mandated but suggested by the state.
7: Jody, do you mind if I ask a question?
12: Go ahead. Go
1: ahead, Chris. Well, I, I'm just – my question really relates to process and the ability in, in budgeting to actually modify this without actually passing legislation. So, you know, we were just talking about House Bill 318, which is looking to amend RSA 186, right, and, and a section – a specific section of that the RSA specifically says um, that the school district shall be liable, right, for three and a half times, right? Um, it's not, it's not a, a budgeting decision absent the, um, the RSAs themselves. And so I, I guess my question to the delegation would be is what is the, the, um, the ability to actually set a budget without actually changing the RSA itself? In other words, can you make it 10 times uh, the estimated state average without actually changing the RSA? I don't believe you can.
7: Thank
1: you.
6: Thank you, Chris. Um, This may be a little bit obscure, but uh, generally speaking, we can put almost anything in the budget that has gone through a public hearing. Um, we can't put into the, the, the budget is House Bill 1 and House Bill 2 uh, combined and we have internal rules that say if, you can't just add non-germane uh, amendments to those bills uh, for stuff that hasn't gone through a public hearing. However, um, it is not infrequent that something comes in as a bill, the bill gets killed and the language gets picked up almost in its entirety and moved into the budget bill. And you can do that even though the budget bill may not have a hearing specifically on that item because it has had a public hearing in front of the House or the Senate as the case may be. So, uh, some of those things could change Um, as part of the budget process. Now, having said that, uh, we instituted rules this year that we would not bring things into the committee of conference that have not had a House position taken. So we've taken, uh, for example, we mentioned earlier, House Resolution 11, which is the revenue side of the budget. Uh, Subject to change as we move along, the bill was voted on and then placed on the table. Other bills that have been uh, tabled or had some other action taken still have that content, still have gone through the public hearing process. But to pull something out of the air, as was done a couple of years ago, uh, can no longer be done. So there is a, uh, a better level of protection against odd things happening at midnight than we've had in the past. In this particular case... Uh, until something else happens. The bill has been retained. It's had its public hearing, um, so there there could be uh, some taking of that language uh, and in the past put into the House uh, House budget. On the other hand, at this point, because it's retained, the House has not taken a position, so this is a little bit new ground for us in terms of what can go into the budget in the committee of conference uh, when it hasn't gone to a point where the House actually took a position. My feeling is that because we have not taken that public position by a House vote, uh, nothing would happen to it at this point. Now, there could be uh, a change. The bill that's being retained can be brought back at some future time, and uh, although there are some restrictions on that too, we're getting into a little bit more detail than we need to on process. Does that answer your
1: question, Chris? It does. And and actually while Chris was reviewing that I, I went back and, and checked the RSA and, and essentially what the three and a half in, in the um in the RSA refers to is is essentially our lower bound for um liability and up to Uh, 10 times the estimated state average expenditure and so what the governor's statement has said is essentially um, you know where he had where where the state had some liability within the three and a half to 10 times range he's pulling it back to the 10 times range so it it doesn't look like um, to hit that number uh, an actual change to the RSA itself would be required if if he wanted to say it, it, it was going to be 20 times over, I think then that would require some level of legislation.
12: May may I expand a little bit, if if it's all right? Uh, Number one, please don't take what we're doing personally. This is uh, your delegation, but we're we're trying to find out what's in the best interest of the state with the monies that that we're allowed to spend. Uh, Number two, uh, any bill that has a fiscal note. And if you read it'll say HB six oh nine F N. If it has a fiscal note, once it gets approved by the full House it comes to the finance committee. If it's if it's spending money. If it's if it's trying to raise money, it'll have a ways and means note afterwards. And and that's where we will we will go through and try to figure out how it fits into the grand scheme of things. Whether it's how how high it is on the priority based on all of the other things that we're trying to spend money on. So it it can get changed there also um,
0: and none of us here takes any of this personally. you know we understand these are financial decisions it's it's financially difficult times we all know that, but the um the value of having a conversation like this with us all sitting in the i mean we don't do this very often, and this is this is um very valuable to both of us, and um I think. THERE'S NO WAY THAT EVERY SINGLE ONE OF YOU COULD UNDERSTAND THE ISSUES THAT THE SCHOOL DISTRICT RAISES OR, or EVEN UNDERSTAND THE PROCESS OF WHAT GOES THROUGH THE SPECIAL EDUCATION IEP PROCESS. SO I, I LOOK AT THIS AS um, AN EDUCATION BACK AND FORTH. We're, under, WE'RE TRYING TO UNDERSTAND WHAT IT IS THAT YOU'RE TRYING TO ACCOMPLISH AND Concord, BUT AT THE SAME TIME IT'S VERY IMPORTANT I THINK THAT YOU UNDERSTAND what your, HOW YOUR DECISIONS um, AFFECT your local school district and I'm hoping that everybody comes away from the table tonight learning something. Um, that, that's my goal here tonight anyway. I know that was the goal of everyone um, joining us. Yeah. And, and if I
12: may, one more thing. Thank you. I, I agree wholeheartedly and you mentioned before that some of the requirements are state and federal. If if you have federal requirements, well, state requirements more more than specifically, if you have state requirements that are impeding your ability to get the job done or to control some of your costs, please let us know. We don't know those, and then we can go and and try to to get a bill through and work with you to do that.
0: Thank you. Any other comments or questions? Chris, are you all set on this one?
12: Yes, thanks, Judy.
0: Thank you. Okay, let's move on. Thank you, Dick. Let's move on.
6: Okay, we're well into the... Financial questions here? Let me just, and I think,
8: okay. Um, I think that it's important once again to restate um, uh, the obvious, though, as well, too. Whether we're talking about uh, catastrophic aid, next we'll be talking about building aid (coughs) and all that. Um, I guess I can't send the message to you any stronger than saying, you absolutely have to prepare for there to be less aid, regardless of what it's called, coming to Merrimack uh, when the budget is determined in June. Um, There is absolutely no way to cure a $900 million problem without it adversely affecting every single um, city and town in some fashion uh, in the state. It's just the number is humongous. And so I think you need to just keep that in perspective. We understand what the issues are. Um, no differently than all of the reps and all of the senators from all of the cities and towns throughout New Hampshire are, are fighting for their uh, piece, if you will, of the pie. Um, but the pie is only so big, and the ingredients in it um, you know, are such that it's just going to be um, you need to prepare for less. IS THE MESSAGE OF DELIVERING.
6: THANK YOU. Um, WE WERE COMING DOWN TO BUILDING AID AND WE'RE GETTING MORE AND MORE INTO THE FINANCIAL ASPECT, ALTHOUGH THE, the BILLS YOU'VE BEEN ASKING ABOUT OFFICIALLY FOR THE MOST PART ARE GOING THROUGH THE EDUCATION COMMITTEE. Um, THOSE THAT HAVE a, a FINANCIAL IMPACT, AS YOU'VE HEARD IN THE LAST SEVERAL MINUTES, would go to the Finance Committee and so Dick Barry's going to talk about uh, the building aid but I think he's going to expand a little bit into some of the other things that uh, go through the Finance Committee and and perhaps give give us a little more global approach there as well.
12: I'll I'll try not to get too bad on this okay you uh, Chris asked me to uh, to talk about House Bill 604 I believe that was on your list uh, Madam Chair uh... relative to the approval of plans specs and costs of school building aid construction and renovation and, and this bill requires that the uh... That the department of education set up a prioritized system for all such requests at the department of education level uh... the, the first part is uh... it would be based on priority one would be health, health safety or compliance issues and improvements to indoor quality air quality and compliance with Americans with Disabilities Act that kind of thing the, the second one will be repairs and improvements not related to health safety or compliance but uh, improvements to school building structures and windows and doors and, and the third priority was upgrades of learning spaces uh, minor capital improvements and, and it requires that the the Department of Education the Commissioner recommend a pro, uh, proposals to be funded based on the priorities and that means it's also based on how much money is going to be left over. Uh, This bill has been retained in committee. It's it's gone through a public hearing. They decided to retain it because there are two other bills out there. There's uh, House Bill 220 which talks about approval of plans and specifications for the construction of school buildings which has a financial note attached to it, and uh, House Bill 528, requiring school districts to develop a facility maintenance and capital improvement plan. So those two are going to be exact uh, private. Uh, it's, a, it's an open session, but that's when the legislators will sit, as he talked about, will sit, discuss it to see what they want to do, if, any, if there are any changes, may, maybe make some amendments to it, vote on it for approval to the full House, and that'll get to the full house. That's going to be done uh, Wednesday. Those two. Uh, it it may be moot. Uh, I, I believe that the governor suggested strongly that education aid uh, be maintained as uh, well, I forget what the exact word is, but uh, hiatus I guess is a good word that the that the state not fund any any more uh, any more school buildings for the next two years, the next biennium. And the, maybe even worse than that, there's a House Bill 219, which will be exact also Wednesday, which uh, establishes a committee to study the abolishment of the Department of Education at the state level. Uh, this, this, is, this is getting tough. This is getting tough. As, as I had said to the town council when we met a, a month ago, there are no sacred cows. Uh, you're, you're <laughs> it came home to roost while my wife and I were out to dinner. When the the uh, the hostess came over after we were eating and looked at my my bill and said, "Oh, I see you didn't order any sacred cows." We we got beat up on that. And and your uh, superintendent knows that uh, there's, there are no sacred cows. She was up to uh, talk about a bill that uh, was near and dear to her heart. The the uh, Elimination of funding for public TV in New Hampshire that passed the House. So there are some interesting things going on up there. Uh, I'll, I'll drop it there and let you ask questions.
0: Questions, comments from the board? Roy? Yeah.
12: Um, we, um, at least when I was approaching
3: this, I wasn't as concerned so much about the, the various bills that are up there because they're, I can never keep track of many different bills are on a particular subject but again going back to the governor's budget message cutting the building aid from 50 million statewide to 20 million is going to cost us $300,000 and my main concern about that is not so much this hiatus on new projects because we had already digested that last year Um, you know we've got this plan for hopefully eventually getting around to consolidating our SAU and special education offices we knew at least in the short term, that there was not going to be building aid for that. But my concern is that this change in funding is actually affecting projects that were approved a decade ago. I mean, we've got projects that were bonded with 15-year bonds or so, and now all of a sudden you know, they were bonded and voters approved those under the understanding that we were going to be getting building aid for them. And now that's potentially going to be yanked out to the tune of three hundred thousand dollars, just next year for this district, and so that's my biggest concern. Is change? It, it's one thing to change the rules going forward because we do all understand this is you know we have nine hundred million dollars is about seven hundred dollars for every man, woman, and child in this state. So I doubt anybody wants to pony up that seven hundred bucks personally. But changing the rules going forward is one thing, but changing things that were you know multi-year obligations that we can't get out of that voters approved with the understanding of what the rules were at the time. It's sort of like what the state did to us with the tolls, right? I mean, we said they said anything happening on the turnpike is going to be done with a toll and then after Merrimack was done they changed the rules and we get to pay forever, right? So that's my concern on this kind of funding change and again I'd like to get a sense of what the House's approach is to that. Not just to the potential hiatus on projects going forward.
12: I'll, I'll take that if you'd like. Uh, first, first, let me mention the tolls. Uh, you probably saw the the tolls folks come in, and, and oh, yeah. because of the Manchester Airport Access Road, the, the federally funded thing, and they had a dozen different uh, scenarios, uh, only a couple of which eliminated tolls in Merrimack, and none of them really raised the money that they wanted. They, they, Commissioner of the Department of Transportation came to our bu- a budget session a couple of weeks ago. and Bottom line is uh, no change, which absolutely floored us. We, we we thought that they would at least do something with the tolls, and usually when something like that happens and you're losing $6 million a year in revenue, that there will be no change. But there are a couple of uh, other bills going on. The impression I got from the governor's presentation was not... To take away existing payments on the the school building piece of it, I may be wrong, but I didn't I didn't remember seeing that specific piece. What I thought was that the moratorium on new building aid would be continued for two more years. Chris,
6: that was my understanding as well. That those uh, <coughs> school districts that are getting assistance for building aid currently under existing programs, existing projects, will continue to get that aid. The moratorium is is, uh, on new construction, new projects.
0: Matt, you want to weigh in?
5: Yeah, when uh, reviewing the the governor's speech, there was a, uh, this is going to blend into the next uh, agenda item. We've kind of been uh, glancing over it anyway. Uh, The governor made the following statement. In recognition of the state's financial situation, This budget provides $20 million for school building aid payments in 2012 and restores the funding to 100% or nearly $50 million in 2013. So what that's saying is for 2012, the fully fund building aid is $50 million needed and the governor is putting forth 20. So that's a reduction of around 40%. Hence, we lose $300,000 worth of building aid. Chris,
12: Chris, did you want to
13: add anything?
1: Are you asking me, Chris, or Christensen? No, I'm fine on this.
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dick
12: my my take on it and what we've been going through is that there is no change to the, the funding was out there the monies were borrowed uh... we we committed to to make the payments to the towns that happened in the past we didn't look at anything that went back and said we're going to change what's happened that's that's my take on it i, I do know that there's a moratorium on new, on new building aid uh, and I won't take this back to the to the committee and say, oh, the, the towns are already expecting uh, a reduction. I, I I don't see it. I really don't. Could we I'm, just
0: I'm, ask for for clarification? Would someone be willing to do that? Yeah, the clarification it's, it's, and get back to us. It's
12: very. I I'm really not sure. I want to ask for clarification, but I I will check it. I I will I will take that as an action item and get back to you.
0: Thank you, Dick.
12: Thank you. Um,
8: I I think it would be also appropriate to say that the governor's budget um, presentation is the governor's budget presentation. And the budget now is in the hands of the legislature. Uh, He uh, presented his menu, if you will, of budget items and and all, Um, didn't talk about revenue. That's probably a good thing. Uh, because we're not in agreement on the revenue estimates. Um, but I would say that as it's going through the the um, uh, review by the appropriate committees um, that there'll be a great deal of conversation about to Roy's point building aid that's already in play. It's already there been there for 10 years and all that um, and, and I didn't draw anything even though I heard Matt's Um, you uh, you know uh, reciting the governor's address um, I think that there would be a a very very strong uh, push back to that um, you know because someone who's already planned on it for the last 10 years uh, I don't think that dog would hunt but as far as as anything new there'll be nothing new at all
5: yeah just just to mention the building aid program has been in the state for 50 years Hmm. so I would hope that I could get that information you would tell me that the five hundred thousand dollars that we're planning on getting is going to come true. And again
8: the only way we can communicate that to you will be in June.
5: Yes, see and that's that's part of the greater issue here because you know in another month we have a deliberative session a lot of school districts, a lot of towns have already had their deliberative sessions or their town meetings and their votes, and we go through our deliberative session, we're up there in front of the voters, how do we tell them what the tax impact is? We really can't. We can tell them what our appropriations are, we think, with the exception of the retirement contribution, because if the retirement contribution goes through with the state, decreases its obligation to zero, that's a million dollars on our budget. So it puts I know you know this, but I just figured I'd say this. It puts us in a very difficult situation to try and present things to the public, to the voters, to the taxpayers, honestly. It's hard to go up there and say, you know, we think, I don't know, we're not sure, it could swing $2 million, and that's a hard place to be in. So we appreciate your efforts, though, but it's, it's, it's hard yeah, on and, us.
8: And the efforts will continue by all of us, and there's nothing... <coughs> we can do with the deadline. Uh, June is June and and that's why I've been saying for the last hour now plan for less. There's just not going to be more. There may be the same but you have to have a fallback for less. Well,
0: and uh, we understand we're not the only school district in the state facing this issue either. Everybody's in the same boat as other school districts have already had their deliberative sessions. And I personally am thankful that we still have. Um, we're we're having an emergency meeting on Thursday this week to address. I mean, 2.3 million dollars is is a substantial amount of money, um, and WE'RE, I'm thankful that we have this time to address it and um, and possibly make some changes at the deliberative session, but. Um, I mean, we're either, you're not knowing whether you're going to get a million, $1.3 million before June, and then you're not knowing if you're going to have to spend another million dollars until June. The other issue we have is contracts. We need to let um, staffing know if they've got a a job with Merrimack School District before April 15th. So what that does is that gives us um, reason to basically give out pink slips to people saying, in April, you're going to have to wait until June to find out if we can afford to have you. So I, I know that you all know this. I know we are not the only school district in um, in this situation. And um, I'm really happy that the education funding <laughs> is still there. But, but we're being whacked at, off at the knees in, in other areas. Um, and dollar amounts like this are really, um, they're very difficult when you don't know if you are getting something. Um, and you have to plan for it anyway. It's it's very very difficult for us to come forward with something. Um, I, I, we are, we absolutely are going to plan for the worst and hope for the best. But um, we are trying, as you can tell, we're trying to feel you guys out tonight <laughs> to say, you know, is it really going to be 2.3? Do you think it might be a little bit more? You know, we're we're just looking for some kind of um, of guidance. But um, and the you're either going to raise people's taxes, or you're going to cut services, that kind of a dollar amount. And that's the other thing. It's like, I don't want to sugarcoat that to people. Um, We can absorb $2.3 million without losing some staff. And um, if we don't lose staff, then we will appropriate, we'd have to appropriate the revenue that we're going to lose. And then we've got the million dollar expenditure on the other end. So um, plain and simple, we're either going to raise taxes, or we're going to reduce services, or we're going to do both. So that's, again, you talk about the white elephant in the room, that's that's what it is. So um, I, I'm just hopeful these discussions, too, will just lay it out there for people to understand. Um, to me, it's very, very important that our constituency understands the situation, that the state it is in, that the town government, I mean, the town government, they hear Merrimack town government has the same issues as the school district. So I'm just um, putting it out there. Roy? Uh,
3: just to come back to the building aid, so... Um, Two thousand eight two thousand and nine the state actually appropriated or, or paid out almost forty three million in building aid, so if the governor 's trial balloon of twenty million dollars actually floats, sorry, then it would be a significant cut i mean that was so fifty million is the current full funding of building aid, so it would be cutting existing projects, and that 's um, if that is something people weren't aware of, I think it's worth making people aware of in these discussions.
12: I, I do know that we we bonded the building aid last year. We borrowed borrowed money to pay the building aid for the last biennium. We won't do that. But by the way, we we do not plan to raise taxes. We have already passed some fee cuts. We'll be passing some more fee cuts we've looked at what we think the revenue is it, it's, uh, and we'll, we'll let uh, Senator White speak to this a bit later uh, but from our standpoint in the house uh, our revenue projections aren't quite as rosy as the governor's is uh, and we have made a commitment not to exceed those revenues for expenditures what if we do come in with higher revenues we're going to put it in first into the rainy day fund and secondly we have a series of, of uh, fees that were increased over the past four years that we're going to give back to the taxpayers.
0: Well, we appreciate that, but shifting costs to the local um, level will raise will raise property taxes for the town of Merrimack. So I'm just taxes. Either we make the cuts to that tune, or um, or we have to appropriate some money. So I will raise taxes for people. I just I, I don't want to. Um, mislead people and saying we're not going to raise your taxes if we can't cut $2.3 million. And, and
12: I'm saying we, we have committed not to raise taxes.
0: What was the, um, the next I think the other side Chris? of
6: that is that the, uh, our leadership team, if you will, has repeatedly stated, because we saw the problems that occurred over the last few years with downshifting costs, they have repeatedly stated but the goal is to not do any more downshifting. After this year, you mean? In the, in the budget that will start July 1st.
12: This, this, this biennium's budget is, that's the plan. No. If we can avoid it at all.
3: That there's cognitive dissonance there between hearing prepare for less and no more downshifting because the less is the downshifting we're concerned about, whether it's in the, uh, the retirement system, the building aid, the catastrophic aid. I mean, we've heard we're going to get less catastrophic aid. That's downshifting right there, a million dollars. Building aid right now is, I, so I, I don't see how these two messages can actually coexist.
6: Well, it works this way. What you heard is what the governor said. Nobody else is paying attention to him.
0: Well, I, I just heard Mr. Hinch say the same exact thing. Well, I,
6: so I, I understand that, but overall, that's why we say the goal is to not downshift. We saw the folly of what happened in the last several years. Uh, if, if there's any way at all, then that's the goal. Now, are we going to be able to achieve that goal? I don't know that, and I think that's what, what Dick is saying. But we're uh, I'm, I'm optimistic, shall we say, but I, I think... Um, other than looking at some of the governor's priorities and what he received from his uh, department heads as as, uh, potential areas of efficiencies, then I think beyond that, uh, the governor's budget is not the guiding document.
8: Dick? Thank you. I just want to make sure that what I have to say is crystal clear. the goal, as Chris just alluded to, uh, is the goal that we all have, and that is that there'll be no downshifting. The definition of downshifting for our purposes is that you would receive less money uh, in the next biennium than you're receiving in this biennium. Forget about what happened two years ago. Uh, if, if in this current budget you, know, you received less than the, than the prior two years, then you know, that was downshifting and, and that happened. Um, our goal is that there would not be uh, any further downshifting that whatever you received you know is what you're going to get. Now the flip side of that is um, that I want to make sure that I'm clear from everything that I've been able to gather from all of the conversations that are going on, put the governor's budget aside for a second. When the legislature is going through and doing its work uh, which is painstaking work to come up with a cure for 900 million dollars, the reality of no downshifting will be that there's going to be, you know, some give and take there. There's going to be some fluidness to the whole thing. Um, and if you take a look at the budget that, that the school works with, you know, if I was personally making a choice between affecting building aid and affecting catastrophic aid, I would make sure catastrophic aid was more of a priority than building aid. That's just a personal choice that I would make. I'm just one of, of you know, 400 representatives that's there. But what I'm saying to you is you absolutely, and I hate to be the, the bearer of bad news, but you've got to hear it, you have to prepare for the worst. And if the worst doesn't come and you get exactly the same amount of money that you are currently receiving great, but if you don't prepare for the worst, then I think that would be a a miscarriage.
3: I I guess the difficulty we have is that preparing for the worst for us right now is if we take the governor's budget as a starting point, if nothing else. Uh, $2.3 million, 70% of our budget is personnel. And it's, I like to say you can't balance a school budget with pencils. It, it doesn't work that way. And even if you said 70 percent out of that 2.3 million dollars was going to be cut in personnel, that's dozens of people. And it's not dozens of people sitting around doing nothing. It's people doing work mostly in the classrooms. So we're talking about increasing class sizes, cutting back programs, and such. Now To do that and assume the worst, that's really painful. And then if if the worst doesn't happen, then we've really, you know, we're not just cutting fat. You cut down to the bone for no reason. And that can be really damaging because it can be either expertise you can't get back, programs you can't resurrect, and so on. And, you know, we're already in a place in this district where we are higher than average class size at every level, compared to the state, lower than average teacher salaries. So it's not like we are living high on the hog here, but to cut 3% of our budget, as you know, 3% at the margins, that's, that's pretty big. So, and that's what our chair is saying. We're looking for guidance as what reality is, saying prepare for the worst uh, in order to do that. I mean, that's like saying, well, you know, the worst could happen, so go lock yourself in the, in the storm cellar until you know that nuclear war isn't going to happen, and, you know, 30 years later you come out and find out nothing happened. Uh, We we want to do what's prudent and prepare for what's likely, but we've got a budget that went through our budget process, went through public hearings and our budget committee and the budget committee hearings, and now we have to figure out what we really need to do with this storm that's going to hit us, but we don't know how big it is or how bad it is, so... That's what we're struggling with. But we can't just say, you know, cut $2.3 million off the top because this might happen. That wouldn't be any more
8: responsible than doing nothing. And if you didn't have a plan in place to cut $2.3 million, I would respectfully suggest to you that that would be irresponsible as well. I, I know the message is difficult, but you have to prepare for the message.
0: Then. <laughs> I, I get ready to move on, and we the message, we are ready for the message. We get the message, uh, but I think what we're trying to explain to you is we're getting conflicting messages, and that, that's the part that's difficult for us, and I don't want to belabor this anymore. I think we could argue the definition of downshifting and, and play on words, and that's, that's not our intent. We're not trying to give you guys a hard time, but um, we are getting a l- little bit of conflicting messages, but I can assure you we are preparing for the worst. That's our intention um, this week. So, Dick?
12: If, if I might make a, a suggestion, you have Senator White here who could give you the the, the view from the other side of the aisle. Uh, he may want to jump in about here. Yeah. Thank you, Did Dick. Did we Actually,
0: burn through th- all of our, um, our no. questions? The, the
6: next item on the list is uh, the retirement program, which is
14: for Senator <laughs> White. Um I'm not sure if uh, what you want for detail or if you just want uh, how it's going to affect your budget, so I'll ask you for some guidance what you want to hear about uh, the retirement system.
0: Roy, why don't you go ahead?
3: Well, I'm already pretty well aware of what the proposals are, at least in some of the bills, like the one um, uh, Senator, I think it is, Bradley, uh, proposed. Um, And a lot of those... Proposals are good as far as they go in terms of increasing um, Contributions by the participants and changing the uh, Three-year average salary to five-year average to Kind of smooth out that last bump that people get eliminating sick pay as part of the salary calculation and all Um, From that perspective one thing I'd really like to see added and I know it exists in another bill is to just sunset the whole system and move from a defined benefit plan to a defined contribution plan like you see in about 80% of all the companies out there. Because when we talk about local control, uh, right now we have no control over the The retirement system comes along each year and says, hey, guess what? You're paying more. And um, and again, we have no control over that. Most of that more is going to people who have already retired anyway, that, that big uh, liability. If it was a defined contribution system where even if there was a mandated match at the district level, then we would be in control of how much we were paying, because it would be a match of a certain percent of salaries that we control. It would be known up front exactly what we were going to pay, and I think that would be a big win, and the defined contribution model is very well proven throughout the rest of of industry. So that's my two cents on that, and yes, we want to hear how bad it's going to be for us fiscally.
14: Okay. Uh, To your first point, um, there is no bill in uh, the House or the Senate at this time that contemplates a change to define contribution uh, at this time. Although I can tell you that when we deliberate about retirement, that's usually the number one topic. The problem is that um, to switch systems you have to basically uh, fully fund your liabilities on the system that you're going to shut down. And um, we have uh, about a three and a half uh, billion dollar shortfall in our present retirement plan. And uh, we as a state do not have the capability to bond three and a half billion dollars. So uh, until we get the system a little bit more squared away, I'm not sure that it's realistic to uh, go into a uh, defined uh, contribution plan. Now I will say in private industry there is a middle ground, there's what they call a target benefit plan where you freeze the benefit at a certain point and then uh, begin to work on a uh, defined contribution plan and that would uh, bypass the problem of uh, having to bond all that money at once but again that's not where we're at right this uh, moment in time. Uh, Senator Bradley's bill was heard on Friday. Uh, I can tell you there was uh, great opposition uh, from all sectors of uh, public employees that are uh, in the system. Uh, The fire, uh, police, safety personnel basically made it extremely clear that um, they stand ready and willing to sue as soon as uh, any of that uh, becomes law. So uh, it's going to be problematic uh, to get them agree to anything with people that are hired. They, they feel the definition of a vested employee is any employee that has one day of service. Uh, whereas we in the definition as you read the bill and it talks about vested employees, we define vesting as the uh, retirement system does which is uh, less than ten years of service. So uh, we're universes apart in terms of uh, those potential solutions in my opinion. Um, but the bottom line is uh, something is going to happen this time. Um, I know a couple of years ago there was an attempt made simply to work at uh, new hires and and do something there, and that was vigorously opposed by public sector unions. Um, now they're talking about, well, this is what we should do is just new hires. And my answer is you had a shot at that a couple of years ago. You vigorously opposed it. Um now we're going further is is that what it takes to even get you talking about this? It's kind of unfortunate um, the bottom line is uh uh it's it's a lot of money it's a big problem, and as you mentioned, the match to the towns for both uh safety personnel and school personnel, which obviously uh the second is what you're concerned about, is um uh just Growing and and problematic and and um, really eats uh, a, a lot of money that you would use for other purposes and and so it's very problematic and so we're we've got the will to attack that um, and we'll do the best we can with that. Now, having said that, I know you've heard this time and again, but I, but I, sometimes I'm not sure that uh, you're getting where we're coming from. But the governor's budget. Uh, He doesn't release those details to the House or the Senate. He just comes up there and and delivers it, and we hear it for the first time like you do. But I can tell you in the conversations we've had as a body, there was never talk about uh, reducing the uh, state portion of the retirement, uh, you know, passing all of it on to you. Um, So that sort of came out of left field, we feel like. I'm not sure what uh, the purpose was or... Or uh, uh, why the governor was staking out that position, but that's not ever come up in, in the deliberations that we've had. I think it's also important to note that the Senate president is a school board member. Uh, Peter Bragdon is on the Milford School Board and has been for quite some time. He's very sensitive to school issues. He was uh, the first thing he mentioned to all of us following the governor's uh, budget address was this is basically one million dollars per school district if we did what he just proposed you know 20 minutes ago and he said and you gotta realize that school districts have either had their deliberative sessions or are about to have their deliberative sessions so much like if one of you were the Senate president You have somebody in the room, a pretty important person, that gets that. The budget is done on a two-year cycle. Uh, Senator Bragdon said, well, even if I was of a mind to do what the governor said, my feeling is we would keep their funding in place this year and tell them in the second half of the biennium it's going to go away. He thought it was unfair to do it. You know, at, the, at this time, uh, with no warning uh, given the fact that uh, you've outlined uh, about, you know, either in the middle of deliberative session or uh, for many districts already gone by. Even, uh, this is a little off topic, but even Senate Bill 1, SB 1, was the evergreen bill. And we wanted to fast track that to give budget certainty to towns so they would understand where they were from a contracting standpoint. And that, again, reflects the fact that we have a school board member as, as Senate president. That a lot of this stuff was driven by him. So all I'm saying is, uh, in a sense, you have a friend, and that doesn't mean he's going to deliver the goodies, so to speak, but he, you have a friend in the Senate president that understands and has to go through the very thing you're going through tonight and in the future with your emergency meetings. So I think you should take some comfort in that. Um, there's three people that will weigh in in, in the budget or three bodies the governor has weighed in the house will weigh in the senate will weigh in and um, I think that uh, both the house and senate are if they were going to break the chainsaw out and really cut are more likely to do it at the state government level than they are in aid that comes to towns and schools I think that's proven by the fact that senator Rausch and senator Stiles released their uh, school funding plan a couple of weeks ago i don't know if you looked at those numbers or paid attention but essentially what they did they did change the formula uh... for school uh... aid quite substantially but then they applied a factor to it to make it come out to the exact same number that you got last time right to the penny and the idea of doing that was going forward the formulas would change but they applied this factor so that, that that would level out with the understanding that that factor would never increase again. It was a one-time shot to make sure everybody got level funded and then, uh, and then move from there in the future to help you in your planning. So again, I think the Senate has already put on ink and paper the fact that they're uh, somewhat trying to head in the direction of uh, level funding and again that was not done in a vacuum. Those two senators had already run it by uh, Senator Morse, who heads our uh, finance committee, and um, he understands where we're coming from uh, in those uh, in terms of that, too. So like uh, Representative Hinch says, you almost have to prepare two budgets, uh, a level-funded budget and a, and, a, and a kind of a catastrophic or worst-case scenario budget, and I know that's distasteful to you, but I think that... Uh, the stuff that's moving through our body uh, to both towns and school districts, um, everything I've seen is a commitment there to try to to level fund it and there's a uh, uh, the people who really should have great concern are those that are state employees, state agencies because that's where I think we're going to find the bulk of the money that we need to find is going to come from there. We did not say well let's just do a five percent across the board cut uh, we envision there's going to be uh, programs totally eliminated. They're going to get 100% cut, and and the idea would be um, that hopefully, uh, town and school aid is is more level funded. That's it, like we've been talking about. That's definitely the goal, and uh, and a lot of the committees are working in that direction. So as it relates to the retirement plan, the goal for us is long term. Uh, planability and sustainability. You know, we want to try to inject some certainty into this so that um, in future years you don't have to say, uh, as uh, Roy pointed out, well what's the bill going to be this year? You'd have some certainty that uh, if we can get this system moving in the direction it should be, that it was this last year that means it's going to be this this year and, and try to inject some certainty into that. And that's, that's what we're trying to do in, in fairness. Um, How we get there, how much uh, we can do, that's going to depend. There's a good possibility that uh, some of the changes we're going to do are going to be litigated. We really divided the retirement system people into three categories. Those not yet hired, which we plan on doing a lot of changes for them. Those that are not vested by uh, the retirement system's definition, which is less than 10 years, and we're going to do a few things with them. And those that are either vested or retired currently, and we really weren't going to do almost anything with them except uh, uh, so some of the things you mentioned, like leveling out the uh, years for final averaging, things like that. So um, that's the plan. Whether, whether we're able to, uh, just like any legislation, there's going to be pushback and, and so forth. And, uh, but I think we stake out a position on what we're trying to do and we're trying to make it long-term, uh, sustainable, and, and planable for you. So that's pretty much uh, the view. And um, uh, again, I, I would take some comfort in the fact that Senator Bragdon's a school board member. I'm more sensitive to school issues than I've ever been, because he he brings it up at virtually every time we meet.
0: Right.
3: Um, so when you talk about hopefully level funding retirement. You're talking the 25% state contribution, I assume, not 35%. So.
14: Well, again, um, I, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not what it should have bounced back to. And, and even mm-hmm. there, um, again, I'm not going to uh, try to even give a dissertation about the collar and, uh, and all the past formulas because I, I don't really understand them, and I don't think they're, I think they're moot at this point anyway. Uh, we've already heard from districts that say, "Well, I'm getting a cut." Why, when we released our numbers, why are you getting a cut? Well, because I was supposed to get X. Well, that was an increase you were supposed to get in the, in the, in the last budget they released. That's not a cut. We're saying, that, you know, the, the baseline is what did you get last year? If you get the same number, that's not a cut. So I guess even the definition of a, a cut depends on the, uh, on the beholder. It's in the eye of the beholder. But I would say the same thing. Twenty-five percent, we're going to try to level fund that and I think um, Senator Bragdon and Senator Roush and Senator Stiles, who again have the most impact on education, if if we're not able to achieve that because of uh, the type of things that, that uh, Representative Hinch has talked about, then we might uh, front load that and say to you, well, you're going to get 25% in the first year of the biennium, but next time, be, you know, you're a year away from your deliberative session next time this is where things are probably heading. He, he would, uh, since we do a two-year budget, he may front-load it, 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 again, if, if we get in that position, because he does understand that that, that time's already passed right. in terms of your planning.
0: And, and it's the town, too. I mean, the town's yeah. in the same boat as the school yeah. district. Exactly. I, mean, I, I appreciate that someone understands the mechanics of the school district and how it works, That's but the town's <coughs> in the same boat, so um, they're trying to make plans right now. They've got the same timetable, the same deliberative session, and they've got the same uncertainties from what I understand. It's $400,000 possible loss um, for retirement for the the towns. So for, because we all talk about it being one pocketbook, that's one and a half million dollars for Merrimack school and and town combined. So I just wanted to give board member Ortega a chance to weigh in if he cared to. Chris?
1: Sure. I, I I think, uh, Uh, Senator White pointed out, um, you know, that what we're trying to uh, achieve here is predictability. And and the only thing predictable about the New Hampshire retirement system is that the cost of it to school districts and towns is going to increase significantly year over year. In our 2009-2010 budget, our contribution to that uh, uh, system was about $2.2 million dollars. In the following year, it was $2.5 million, and in the budget that we've just approved, it's $3 million. It went up $500,000 this past uh, budget alone, absent the governor's proposals. So the the system is very clearly broken. It's one that's costing us a tremendous amount. Uh, If you look at total salaries in the district, you know, we're paying uh, essentially 10% of uh, salaries uh, into this system and, and, you know, talking about it potentially increasing. So something needs to be done. But, but you know, w- predictability is not just, um, you know, in terms of level funding because we're, we're I would kill to level fund it. We're, we're not even level funding. We, we continue to pay into this broken system. Uh, Antiquated system that that just needs 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 fixing. So I, I hear what Senator White's saying about not being able to um, sunset it, but but we I think we need to find some middle ground that that allows us to better manage this with with the money that we're putting into the system uh, with simply having the state require districts or, or towns uh, to offer some sort of locally contracted and negotiated uh, retirement. I'm sure we could set up a very, very nice system uh, with with the money that we're we're spending on this. I I think uh, uh, the only thing predictable about it is is the amount that it increases every year.
0: Thank you, Chris. Any other comments, questions? Shannon?
2: I think with everything tonight, we're hearing... um, a LOT OF WHAT I HEARD AT THE NEW HAMPSHIRE SCHOOL BOARDS ASSOCIATION TO WHICH your, OUR SENATE PRESIDENT WAS um, A FEATURED SPEAKER and, AND PRESENT REPRESENTING HIS SCHOOL BOARD. Um, HOWEVER I THINK THAT you know, THE MORE THAT WE'RE GOING ON, WE REALIZE THAT WE'RE NOT ALONE IN THIS. Um, HOWEVER WE um, LOOK TO YOU NOT ONLY TO TELL US WHAT'S GOING ON IN CONCORD IN AS MUCH REAL TIME AS POSSIBLE, I'M GLAD THAT WE'RE MEETING TONIGHT, BUT I think that the dialogue needs to be more present in such uncertain times. I don't think we've ever been in a position um, that I since I've moved to New Hampshire where we didn't know the the devastating impact, but had to prepare for it and that, I think Roy just nailed nailed it when he said, Would you want to clean house um, on paper if it was never going to be?" I mean, we really value our employees. Uh, we value the work they're doing. And to put them in a state of uncertainty is, is difficult for everybody. And the more information in real time, not just waiting for these meetings, the more dialogue we can have, you know, with you, you know, offline, off either with our <coughs> administration, if, you know, you contact us, you know, at school board members, you know, waiting for these sit-down sessions on camera, Obviously, a lot's going to pass us by. And as, you're sa- I've, as you've discussed tonight, we have um, building aid on the floor Wednesday. We have um, what was on the floor tomorrow. I believe that was um, standards for adequate education. So we're going to walk away from this. And by the time the first re-airing of this meeting happened, all this information is already not current. So I think the, the lines of communication, I think, need to be a little more frequent and fluid, know that you know we are here to listen, um, advocate where we can to help you in your message to help us. Again, what's in it for Merrimack? Um, and the other thing is, you know, we talked about an elephant in the room. We've we've acknowledged him. We have not ordered the sacred cow, but we're also asking now to be the sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. So we we've already done that as a community with our tolls and knowing, you know, everyone's going to be advocating for their community knowing what we can do to help you up in Concord to make sure that we get the best outcome possible for our for our students, our teachers, and, and our residents. Um, the more we can do that, that, I just implore you to just keep talking to us and let us know what we can do to help you more. Any
0: other questions or comments? Sir Thomas?
11: Thank you very much for inviting us tonight. It was very helpful for me as a new member uh this is my first year and to hear you hear your concerns and give us a chance to to express a little of ours. So I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. We're not
7: done yet. We're not done yet. Oh <laughs> Are you
0: causing trouble
7: again? Jo- there? Jo- 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 <laughs> jo- okay. Um, well, and for those of
0: you that that I haven't personally met before, it was a very an extreme pleasure to meet all of you tonight, and we thank you for spending the time. Um, we've been at this about two hours, but it, it's it's such necessary, valuable um, conversation, and I I cannot thank you enough for being willing to come forward. The timing is is perfect. I mean, we've been wanting to have have you before us. Um, I don't think we planned quite so much to. Um, to skewer you right before our budget process, but as, as the timing has it, I, I think it, it has been um, good to have you here at, at, for this meeting, for the um, discussions that we're going to be having this week and for our deliberative session coming up, but we really appreciate you taking the time to come here tonight. Thank you. Thank Pardon you. me? We oh, we do have two more? Yeah, that's what I was oh.
7: Jo- Jody and Joe are done. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh,
6: well, I Is that why you
0: were looking at me like that?
6: No. <laughs> the, uh, the last two items we had on the list that, that you gave us, uh, one was on tolls, and the other was relative to immunity for school personnel. And I think I'd toss it to you if you want to continue in the, the school vein. The tolls are more generic. If you want right, and I, and I think we've already discussed question.
0: we've already discussed the tolls. So why don't we move Let's right on to the, to the other question item
6: first? I think. Yeah. Okay.
15: Save the best for last. (laughs) This will not touch your budget in any (laughs) way. It is not a financial note. There's no cost. No. (laughs) Yeah, this bill was uh, presented to the Judiciary Committee and I'm on the Judiciary Committee. It's a revised Representative Maureen Mooney bill. Uh, It's to get immunity for teachers and I have the, we amended the bill and I have it right here so I can read exactly what it says to you. It's relative to immunity for school personnel using reasonable force to protect students. And this is also to protect the teachers. If there's a fight in the hallways, this is so the teacher can break up the fight and not get sued if someone gets hurt while they're breaking up the fight. The fight shouldn't have been going on. The teacher has the right to break up the fight. Um, So this gives the teacher's immunity. Uh, It was passed, I'll continue reading the the amendment, a teacher or person otherwise entrusted with the care or supervision of a pupil is justified during the care and supervision of that pupil in using reasonable force against any such pupil when the pupil creates a disturbance or refuses to leave the premises or when it is necessary for the maintenance of discipline. A teacher or person otherwise entrusted with the care or supervision of the pupil, which includes bus and bus drivers, uh, shall be immune from any civil or criminal liability for any act or omission performed in good faith and in accordance with this paragraph. And the omission is, if there is a fight, someone gets hurt because it wasn't broken up, the teacher's not going to be held liable for not breaking up the fight. Uh, this was passed in our committee, presented to the House, and it passed the House and is now going over to the Senate on March 10th for the Senate to take care of it. But it will not touch your budget in any way.
0: No, but it is an issue that's very important yes, the school Yes, it is. We had a
15: lot of teachers uh, give testimony. I'm a substitute teacher over in Milford, so I've seen firsthand uh, what goes on. And um, it was a very important bill.
0: Marge, did you have any questions or comments? No,
9: I appreciate the clarification because it's very important. And we have teachers in our company. Yeah, the the
15: initial bill didn't have the word pupil. They just had minor. And Mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure that all pupils, because some pupils are 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Some are older than 18. Mm -hmm. So all the pupils were covered um, with discipline. Uh, A teacher can discipline an 18-year-old and still not be held liable. They're still immune, even though it's not a minor. Um, And it also covers field trips, sporting events, anything that is school-sanctioned.
0: Thank you. Any questions or comments?
15: Board Member Ortega,
0: did you have anything you wanted to weigh in?
1: No, just very welcome legislation. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: Thank you.
8: I just want to add very briefly. This is good news. Um, Lynette said it, but uh, this was a um, uh, Representative Maureen Mooney uh, bill of uh, four years ago um, that actually didn't make it through the House. It was uh, uh, rejected, um, and she has proceeded with with her work on it, and and uh, uh, we owe her a, a debt of gratitude because. Uh, it didn't fall on deaf ears, it was reintroduced, and uh, I think it will come out with a satisfactory uh, uh, vote as well. So.
0: So Maureen continues to work for us. Absolutely, she does, yes. <laughs> yep. Yes, Dick?
12: If you probably already know this, another piece of good news, the bill to repeal kindergarten failed last week.
0: Yeah, that is good news. Any other questions or comments? Well, in general, to the delegation. <laughs> um, Jennifer has been very, very ill. She's feeling better, but now she's lost her voice, so please bear with her. I've been very quiet.
4: <laughs> I know it's painful to listen to. <laughs> I speak. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. I know you're all indicating that <clears throat> you're going to be up there working very hard in our best interest and in trying to keep that level of funding, and that's huge for us to hear. I know it's given me... Um, a lot more hope than I had when we first heard the governor's message, and um, found out the impact that that was going to have on, especially the Merrimack School District. So to hear that um, it's not just you know kind of going to be rubber stamped by everybody that you are going to try and um, work some magic with those numbers and um, and work really hard to keep giving us the funding that we need in order to give the taxpayers in town the stability that they deserve um, is so much appreciated and. And I just, again, thank you for being here. I know um, I, had, I, I would like to have you here you know, once a year. I think annually would be great just to get updates on things because there is so much going on with the education system. Um, but, again, thank you very much. I really do appreciate everything you, you're doing and will do for us in the future.
0: Thank you. And um, we're going to take a five-minute recess, and we'll return at it's 926 at 931. Mm-hmm. Thank you again.
7: Thank you.
5: we
0: And let's see, 9:36, and we'll be back in our and our recess, and back in public session. SO um, WITH THE BOARD'S PLEASURE, I WOULD LIKE TO MOVE AN AGENDA ITEM. WE HAD um, HEAD NUMBER 13. WE HAVE OUR SCHOOL DISTRICT AND TOWN MODERATOR, LYNN Christensen, JOINING US THIS EVENING, AND SHE HAD ANOTHER MEETING TO ATTEND TO, NOT KNOWING HOW LONG OUR um, CONVERSATION WITH THE DELEGATION WAS GOING TO GO. WE PUT HER AT THE END OF OUR MEETING SO THAT SHE COULD ATTEND BOTH. TIME TO START CLONING YOURSELF, LYNN. Um, BUT NOW WE DON'T WANT HER TO HAVE TO SIT THROUGH ALL THE REST OF um our agenda tonight. So if there is anyone, um, everyone, no one objects right to moving number 13 up. Okay, with that I will welcome Lynn Christensen and we're going to have item number 13, discussion with the school town moderator regarding the school district deliberative session in consideration of Merrimack High School as the sole polling site. Now, um, Marge, did you want to set the stage or Lynn were you going to um, speak to it first? Did you need Marge to give any kind of an introduction?
10: I, don't I think have th- I have spoken to you prior right, right. about this, mm-hmm. so no, I'm I just, as a follow-up. I yeah, think.
9: and I think tonight my thought was that if Lynn had something specific to say to all of us about mm-hmm. how she is going to run our deliberative mm-hmm. session next Monday night, because, this, I mean, she's highly experienced, <laughs> but this will be her first time with us as a school moderator, so if she wanted to say something, certainly the floor mm-hmm. is hers, but... As important um, is the fact that she proposed the concept of having the high school become the sole polling site in our future, so in other words, consolidating the current three, making it one. And I think the board at its last meeting said, when Lynn comes to the table, will you ask her to talk about costs, perceived costs, as well as some savings that might be realized, but then also to take a look at some dates. And she's very nicely in your packet um, created, which she perceives to be um, the dates as best she can give them into the future. So hopefully that's a good beginning for you.
10: Okay. Um, Let me talk about dates a little bit first. We run a four-year cycle as far as dates are concerned. Um, You have a town meeting every year. You have a presidential election every four years. And then you've got odd ones in between. So that it really is a four-year cycle. As far as the school calendar is concerned, every other year, you're going to have three days that you'll have an election at the school. On the intermeaning two years, one will have two elections. One will have one. So there's one school year that you'll only have a town meeting. That'll be it. That's the only one that, that comes into play. The year that you have two, is the only unpredictable one because that's the year that you have a presidential primary sometime late winter and you have town meeting we can tell you what date the town meeting is, we can tell you what date the state primary is, we can tell you what date the, the general election is we can't tell you what date the presidential primary is because it depends on when the secretary of state sets the date and that's based on not only what he feels is a good date to do it but also keeping in mind that state law requires that we be the first in the nation. So depending upon what the other states are, he has to determine, which is why uh, a couple of years ago we were very early because some states had tried to move up, and so he moved it up as he is required to do by law. So that's the only one that is unpredictable. Other than that, you're going to have town meeting every year in the spring, in April. You're going to have a state primary every other year in September, THAT WILL BE JUST AFTER SCHOOL STARTS, AND YOU WILL HAVE A NATIONAL ELECTION EVERY NOVEMBER, EVERY OTHER NOVEMBER. SO THOSE ARE YOUR DATES THAT YOU'RE WORKING WITH, AND THOSE ARE THE DATES THAT I I SENT TO PUT IN YOUR PACKETS. DOES THAT MAKE SENSE TO EVERYBODY? Mm -hmm. OKAY.
9: AND THE ONLY CHANGE I WOULD MAKE, JUST BECAUSE THIS IS A reference, WHEN LYNN AND I CONFERRED uh, FOR 2011-2012, You need to just make a correction. The town school meeting would be April 10th, which is a Tuesday instead of 11th, just to have it be correct.
10: And that's a a year from now. We're not talking about doing anything this year. Now, going back to the single polling site, um, I talked to you a couple of months ago about doing it and the history behind how we got to where we are now and why we need to make a change. And we really do need to make a change. Cost-wise, um, really the only additional cost is um, we really need to have some sort of a flooring floor covering that can be expensive, but the town and the, and the school have agreed that they will share the cost on that because it really is, is mutually beneficial for that. Um, cost savings, the primary cost savings is in personnel. Just in the personnel alone that I'm responsible for, the town clerk is responsible for, you are talking about anywhere from two to four thousand dollars a year savings, depending upon whether you have one election or four elections. It's pretty significant Now you can add into that savings for you aren't going to change much because you're dealing with one school now you're going to be dealing with one school if we go to a single polling place. We're just going to move the school that we're using, but we get rid of the additional ones that we have.
0: Did we have um, an idea about the mats, the total cost, Marge?
9: I think we thought about 10000 10, 5000 apiece. Right. What we haven't had, and I would say when Lynn was talking with me, I then was talking with Keith. I don't think we have a formal arrangement. We, we have had a discussion, I think.
10: Keith has agreed that it would be reasonable for the town to help with the, the cost of that map. But I think it's reasonable that the school would expect to have it done as well. Any other questions
0: or comments regarding the calendar? Roy?
3: Um, I, th- I think it's pretty clear what we would do in a uh, like 11-12 where we could have kind of an internal teacher's workshop that Mm -hmm. day that could potentially float as long as we weren't having to make external commitments on it and stuff like that for the primary. Um, I guess this is a question more for our superintendent. In those years when we have a state primary, uh, having a day off the the first, the Tuesday after, a week after Labor Day, um, would you expect that we would perhaps have just two teacher workshop days to start the year?
9: Um, I think think in our initial um, deliberation with the leadership team, that's what we were thinking. It really means for us, um, because you've got the five um, professional development days, that we would have the two at the Mm -hmm. beginning. These three would be the designated dates, full dates, and we would need to be giving up probably the half-day workshop concept in order to make this happen. That's what our initial thinking was.
3: Yeah, I mean, as much as I think that the, the half-day workshops can be efficient and, and good in some cases because I mean, sometimes you just can't <coughs> spend a full day talking about something and have it be productive. Um, I, I really would like to find a way to make this happen just because I think that would be a benefit to the town um, in general to have a single polling place, but I'd, I'd like to hear what everybody else has to
4: At what point does <coughs> the Secretary of State determine that <coughs> the um, presidential primary?
10: It's usually late in the fall prior to that. I mean, last two years ago, four years two years ago now, um, we were in the November time frame before he was able to set it because he's at the the mercy of the other states, and if one of them says, "We're going to do this then." then he's under legal obligation to move our date. So he has to sort of wait to see what the other states are doing before he can set that date. It can't be set a year ahead of time. No. It just doesn't happen.
4: So, Marge, how would we overcome that?
10: Um, Probably
9: we would uh, do um, a notated box at the top and state appearance um, about what the date is for. It's set by the Secretary of State. We would notify everyone using our automated system as soon as we knew it, um, but it could be any day in, um, or a Tuesday, whatever, mm-hmm. in January or February. It, it's going to happen in one of those months. So it would have to be a fluidity, and I think that's the thing. This is one of those things where we would never know until after we try it out. I mean, you can't, it's mm-hmm. like if we could experiment with it one year, and see how it goes but this is one of those things i think when a decision (coughs) is made we have to stick with it because it's too confusing i mean you've said you've already had confusion when you went to the three polling sites persons were where am i supposed to go and it just didn't work so we are kind of just needing to be committed i do want to say one other thing and it's just a statement of fact that we did talk about where we've gone to the three days at the beginning of the year for workshop days. You remember the master agreement speaks specifically that educators must have one day where they can work in their classroom to do the setup. So the administration has found that with the volume of what we need to cover, we have needed the two days to get through IEP meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's one of those um, areas that more time has to be given to it to figure out how we might be able to address that. That's not easily come, do you know, especially where you've got three days, let's say in the 2012-13 year that you must have, we must give those um, to having the high school staff move um, to another building in order to make sure that entire parking area was cleared out for the good of our community.
4: Is it strictly the parking that's an issue with having that day off, or is it having people traipsing through the high school? Area? I think when
9: Lynn and I have talked, and and we had Ken Johnson as a part of this, <coughs> I think the thought was it is the parking, but it's also just dedicating that building. It would just there is just no way that we could carry on um, lunch and. And all that trying to operate around it's very different upper elementary, you can contain that, and um kids can eat in their room and so on, but the high school we just we just need to have that building free mm-hmm. I mean that we've
10: you absolutely clearly cannot determined do it with the parking yeah. but I think having public in the school where it's a lot more open and you're a lot more access to hallways mm-hmm. um I think you're you're much better off to to be wise and Right. And not do it. But you cannot it. do it because of parking.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And my thought was, if that was the only reason, maybe you can just tell the kids there are no private vehicles. You you can't drive your car to school
10: that day. You have to take public and transportation. And you think that's going to work? Well,
4: you know, <laughs> <laughs> I can dream. That. <laughs> but
10: but I don't think it's like reasonable because I think a lot of them do need the cars. Right. So I don't I don't think it's even reasonable to ask.
7: Mm.
9: Yeah, I think we think 400 cars, 1,400 kids, it's just, um, we just need to do segregation. I mean, we need it to be solely the polling site.
7: Right, right,
4: I understand that. Um, I I personally think it's a great idea. Honestly, I think our administration can figure out the scheduling problems. I mean, um, or I wouldn't even really label them as problems. I think they're just things that you're just going to, they're issues that are going to come up, and you're going to deal with it, and you'll figure it out. Um, So... I agree with Roy. I'd like to see somehow, you know, we make this work with, you know, with the voting in that single place. Yes,
0: Board Member Ortega. Chris, did you want to weigh in on anything? Did we lose Chris?
1: I would just, no, I'm here. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, there you are. Yep.
1: Okay. Um, I would just reiterate uh, the statements that have already been made. I, I think that there's a tremendous benefit to the town in having a, a single polling place. Uh, I'm concerned about uh, all of the points that have been raised in terms of, um, you know, that the flexibility around the, the presidential primary. Um, in particular, uh, I'm concerned about the years in which we have um, three voting days and, and what that does not only to the schedule, you know, we're we're going to be talking about makeup days uh, later on in our agenda, mm-hmm. and what it does in terms of uh, all of this. And so, to the extent that it can be worked out, I think that's great. But you know, the primary function of the schools is to be schools, um, and um, you know, if we can find a way to work it that 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 they they can satisfy, you know, a single town polling place, I'm all for it. But uh, I think you know it's going to need some work.
0: Thanks, Chris. Um, I'm I'm trying to think about process here. I mean, I I agree too. I I would absolutely love to accommodate the request because I also see the benefits to the town. I I am concerned about the calendar. I'm just concerned about some of the the what ifs. And I agree with what Marge said. If we were to try it and then something. That we just didn't anticipate were to happen. It's not something that we would be able to go back to the three um, polling places that easily. It's, it's. I think once we commit to it, we need to commit to it. Um, We, the money for. $5,000 $5,000 might not seem like a lot of money, but it's really going to be a lot of money next year. We don't have that money in our budget for next year. Right. We don't have a formal agreement right. with the town to go halves on those mats right. for next year. So I'm thinking right now um, about process. I guess I would like a little bit more information from the superintendent about those teacher workshop days and how she would um, how she would prepare for them. I've also... Um, I'm looking, I don't want to confine us to having the one, when we talk about having in-house training, if it it just ends up being the one teacher workshop day, I think we can do something very valuable and worthwhile that way, but I don't want to tie our hands with outside presenters um, for all of our teacher workshop days, too, so I guess I'm looking for um, some kind of a affirmation from the superintendent that we will still be able to take advantage of outside presentations and outside groups Um, So those are the kinds of things I'm looking for. Um, We had planned on voting at our next meeting on a calendar for next year. Um, Typically what we do is we put it on a consent agenda. I'm thinking we might still need to have this as its own agenda item. So if there's any further discussion, um, we can have it then and actually take a formal vote on it um, at that meeting we wouldn't have to weigh the two-week rule because we've been talking about it for weeks now. So um, that's kind of what I'm thinking about for process, to make a formal decision, and if not for next year, then for at least, you know, for the year after to, to go forward with something like this. So unless anyone else has anything else they'd like to, Shannon?
2: Well, I, I see that there's more good than bad that can come out of this. I really think that the only challenge we're facing right now is the presidential primary in 2012. Although it's going to be the mm-hmm. first in primary hurdle, which is kind of a challenge um, to this new structure. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a big one, I'm sure. Uh, but really, other than that, everything else is so defined that as as far as dates for elections and primaries, it's the only r- joker in the deck, really. As far as um, what it what it means to uh, our school district, so every four years I see it being kind of a sticky widget but other than that I think as um, we're looking at the state primary being the second week of school um, although that's kind of you know you're getting into a groove and you're getting out of it and back into it but maybe it's a time where we can look at it as a positive as well we can look at adjustments we want to make based upon the dynamic of the classroom and this gives us a day to kind of rework things and. I mean, I could I could give you as many positives can. Right. But I think the primary concern
0: with that, Shannon, was the contractual obligation that we have to give the teachers the one day and then the work, the, the actual work that needs to happen prior to having the students come in the building. So I didn't say it can't be done, but I've yet to hear how the superintendent's going to, um, going to deal with that. And I, I'm going to assume that at this point we're going to ask Marge for you to to explore that and come back to the next meeting with some information about how you would handle that for us. I I think my
9: thought tonight was that we had the benefit of Lynn being here. She had posted up more dates than we had in the past. I mean, before, when she spoke with us, it was about a concept. And so the dates in in the packet really give you four years out to take a look at. Likewise, um, I had prepared um, a Draft A. Remember, there were Draft A and Draft B. She knows she was Draft B. So Draft A, I needed to come back to you tonight and talk to you about modification that you gave me last time and just lay that out for you. Um, For parents who are worried about vacations for next year, those are set, whether we're Draft A or Draft B for February and April, which was really the biggest concern for those persons that were wondering. So that takes care of that. So once we know what your March dates are after the deliberative session, it would seem to me if we just put the item on the agenda, not as consent, but just the final school calendar, then that decision can be made. And that gives me a little bit more time, too, because tonight, really what I'm hearing you say is that you're leaning toward looking at this possibility so therefore we need now to say the construct should be looking toward draft B so i think that helps the leadership team in its final deliberation
0: Jen
4: just another thought that we really haven't had dialogue with the town council on this and um, to find out if this is indeed something that they are encouraging? Uh, uh, do they want it? Do they not want it? Is this something? I mean, we've heard from Lynn, of course. I don't know. I've if had
10: you're discussions with them. Yes, I'm not so representing them in any way, shape, or form. Oh, we've <laughs> had discussion.
0: <laughs> right, and, oh. and we had a, a meeting scheduled, a joint meeting mm-hmm. scheduled for March 17th, and this uh-huh. was going to be one of the agenda items. Um, the town manager. W- current sitting town manager will no longer be with right. us. Um I don't even know if there's going to be an interim. I have no idea what's going to happen. So my guess is that meeting's not going to happen on the 17th, but I would um absolutely especially regarding the shared um finances for the mats. I would love to have that at a a public discussion uh with the with the two boards and that's absolutely. Um but I don't think the the 17th is um is going to be on the table for us to But we had intended to talk about it then.
10: Everyone that I have talked about um, at every level in town, including individual people, have been very much in favor of of going back to it.
0: And in in offline conversations Marge and I have had with the town manager and and the chair of the town council. They've indicated they were supportive of it also. But you can understand we'd want something formal. Um, I figure that will come. Right, But but yes, they're absolutely in favor. Right. No, and, and I'm in agreement 100%. So if is everyone in agreement to have this as its own agenda item on um, the 14th? Marge will get back to us with more information because I'm concerned about the, the calendar and especially the, the beginning teacher workshops and how what implication that might have for us. Make sure that we're meeting our contractual mm-hmm. obligations and doing what we need to do to get school um, up and running. And then we'll have um, any more discussion then that we need and take a formal vote. So would that be... Plan on um, hearing from us. after This the is 14th strictly line? up to
10: you. I'm I'm going on with what I've I've got to do for the right. situation that I've got as it is, and if we can change it, that's marvelous. If we can't, I'll I'll right. somehow make. it. Well, do. I want to give you some clear yeah. indication of what our intentions no. are too.
1: Okay. Judy, yes. Can I get can I get uh, just some clarification on process?
0: <laughs> Absolutely, Chris. Go ahead.
1: As, as the superintendent went through and talked about the the process and the implications, I. I, I think what I heard was, was um, a lot of discussion around trying to finalize 2011-2012. And, and I think that that's very helpful and, and something immediate that we need to do. But I think before we formally adopt the um, the single polling place a, as an option, I think what we need to see are draft. Um, schedules for 12, 13, uh, 13, 14, and 14, 15, just to get a sense of what those calendars might look like and the implications that, that we've talked about. Is that your understanding as well?
0: I, we, I believe, Marge, you'd be able to do that, Marge, for us, for the 14th?
7: Yep, you do that.
1: Be, because I think it would be just as bad to move forward with a single polling place in 11, 12, and then realize in 12, 13 that it's not going to work for us and then have to go back, right? Agreed, that, yep. We, the whole reason for this is to avoid voter confusion, right? Correct. Okay. Thank you.
10: Thank you, Chris. Joni, just a little bit on that and, and for Chris's benefit. Um, your dates are always going to be the second Tuesday in, in September every other year, every other year the second Tuesday in November, Every year, the second Tuesday in April. First Tuesday. First second Tuesday, second in Tuesday in November. Okay. Second Tuesday in September. And the second Tuesday in April. Okay. Now, every once in a while, it's it's like the second Tuesday after the first Monday, only when there's a full moon. <laughs> type of situation, so. <laughs>
3: well, the November is the first Tuesday, though, not the second.
10: Um, the first Tuesday is the first next year. And that's where I believe you get into the first Tuesday after the first Monday. Because I believe it's the 8th next year. Oh, okay. Okay,
0: because it, see says, what I'm saying? Sixth it says the 6th. It says the 6th, so it's the 8th. Okay. Well, I'm no. looking
10: at what am I looking at? Mike? I'm looking um, at the 11-12 calendar. Okay. Right, and the one
9: she's when it's November 6th, it's for 12-13. That's 12-13. Okay, 2012-2013. Right. Yeah. Okay.
10: November 6th? Yeah. It's quite possible. Okay. Six, five, four, three, two. All right. Six, five, four. So
0: we're all three, set to two, go yeah. on that. Um, typically, Lynn, we've had the school district moderator come before us and. Um, basically lay mm-hmm. down the law and yep. read us our rights and tell us what she expects from us at the deliberative session. So do you have anything? I mean, I'm pretty familiar with how you run a town town meeting, so is there anything in particular that you'd want to share with us?
10: When Carolyn became, town, uh, became school moderator, um, she came to me, pulled my rules, and she essentially used my rules for setting up the school meeting. Um, prior to her, when Bill Klein was there, Bill and I worked very closely in establishing Common rules, so that people could go to a meeting and know what to expect, and wouldn't have to think about whether it was school or town. Um, I will run it the same way I've run town meeting all these years. Um, people will be recognized to make motions. Um, you are equals with all the voting public there. This isn't your meeting; this is their meeting, really. Um, you can hold up your hand, get in line to speak, just like they do. You're able to amend. Motions that are on the floor, you certainly have a right to vote on anything that's voted upon. Um, I would ask only that you let me know ahead of time who is planning on um, making motions, who is planning on speaking to articles. Um, give me an idea as to how long you think you need to speak to them um, Certainly if you or and this this goes for the voting public as well, if anyone is considering making amendments to any of the articles that are coming before us. Um, I would ask that they contact me ahead of time, just so that I understand what they're attempting to do. Sometimes we can head off problems. If they say, well, I want to do this, and I say, well, if you want to, you can't do it this way, but you could do it this way. Um, I make no judgments as to whether what what you want to do is, is right or wrong. or or valid or or good or bad um I'm there just to help the meeting run smoothly and make sure that everybody is is able to say what they want to say and accomplish what they're trying to accomplish
0: and we're going to be working on um our organization <laughs> of who's presenting what and we'll absolutely get that information to you if you ASNP. hear of anybody
10: that's talking about making changes if you would encourage them to give me a call i'm in the phone book okay. my email address is, is accessible so okay, thank you
0: Does anyone have any questions for Lynn? Board member Ortega, do you have any questions for school district moderator Lynn Christensen before we let her go?
1: No, she's done an excellent job of explaining everything. Thank you. you.
0: Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, Lynn. We appreciate you coming out. Two meetings in a row tonight. Okay. See if I can find where I'm at here. Item number seven, discussion regarding the governor's proposed budget and its ramifications for the school district budget. Well, How I'd like to um, address this is Matt had put together um, a memo basically outlining. He took the different excerpts of the governor's um, budget address and basically told us what that means in dollars and cents. So, Matt, if you would just, Mm -hmm. for people um, watching at home, just go through that. Memo, please, and then um, we'll have some discussion regarding that at the board level.
5: Sure. Uh, thank you. A lot of this we uh, had just touched uh, when the uh, Merrimack legislative delegation was uh, before us. But in, in summary, uh, this is per the, the governor's budget address as of February 15th. And there are three areas that significantly impact Merrimack School District and probably every other school district and or town in the state of New Hampshire. Um, some downshifting of costs that are going from the state level to the local level on the back of the uh, local taxpayers are coming forward as proposed by the governor. Uh, The first impact we see here is catastrophic aid. Currently uh, the law is that uh, the state will reimburse us for anything over three and a half times state average uh, cost of tuition. That now encompasses probably around 88 students in Merrimack that we get catastrophic aid for. We get around $1.3 million worth of, uh, worth of aid. Um, if this were to go forward and the state would reimburse us for anything more than 10 times state average, which is quite a considerable jump, uh, that would probably only qualify seven kids that we would get reimbursed for as far as uh, their out-of-district tuition. Um, That would cost the district a loss of a little bit over a million dollars. So that is the catastrophic aid proposal. Uh, Next, we talked uh, quite lengthy about uh, this item, uh, the New Hampshire retirement system. Uh, Currently, the state Well, a couple years ago, the state used to pay 35% of the share and then they went down to 25% of the share and then they were supposed to go back up to 35% of the share. But we heard from the delegation that if they can get them to maintain that 25%, then that would probably be their goal. However, in the uh, governor's statement, uh, he, he calls it a subsidy. I call it an obligation. Uh, the state would uh, eliminate their obligation to fund uh, the portion of the retirement for both teachers and fire and police. It's just not the school district. Um, and that would result in, in another million dollar um, loss or increase in the appropriation that we would have to um, amend at some point in time or look at an appropriate reduction in our budget to cover that cost. Uh, the third item we have, and we talked about that too, which is building aid. Uh, to fully fund building aid, $50 million is needed. And for 2012, only $20 million is going to be put forward. So that would um, amount to around a $300,000 loss in building aid to um, Airmac. And let me just be clear, these are existing uh, building aid projects that we've had the middle school, the high school additions um, a lot even the uh, energy efficiency lease that we had with Honeywell we get building aid for that so that would be that would decline significantly and cost us around three hundred thousand dollars so in, in a nutshell these are the the three items when added together uh, have a two point three million dollar potential uh, change in what we thought the tax impact would be of the budget that we worked uh, for since uh, probably the beginning of September. So, thank you.
0: Thank you, Matt. Um, after getting the good news um, and everybody's head popping off and then putting it back on, we, Marge and I, spent um, considerable amount of time um, seeking the counsel of our school district attorney. and and what does this mean and um, if there's any kind of a silver lining in this I think we're fortunate that we have not had our deliberative session yet and I um, really really feel for those school districts and towns that already have so I think we're in um, a little bit of a position where we can be proactive but after speaking to school district council um, it's kind of a convoluted confusing process, but she explained it to me um, in a way that I could understand, and I'm going to try and hopefully explain this so that um, people listening can understand. The catastrophic aid and the building aid are considered revenues. So what that would mean for us, if our budget um, put forward now $65 million um, were to remain as it is, and it got put through and it passed um, deliberative session and it passed um, the vote in April. And if those, um, and I'm honestly, I, I was not trying to be um, thick-skulled, but I'm still not any clearer after listening to our delegation about whether they think this money is going to be coming through or not. So as I said, I my intention this week is to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. The the revenue portion um, Possible revenue portion I think is going to be more difficult for us to deal with because what happens is if we change nothing and That 1.3 million dollars does not come through then that means we have to appropriate 1.3 million dollars from the taxpayers Um, big tax jump So um, that's that's going to be a a difficult tough pill for everybody to swallow the contribution to the retirement system works a little bit differently. That is not a loss of revenue. That is considered an expenditure. So what that means is if we have our budget, it goes forward untouched right now. $65 million goes through deliberative session, then we vote on it in April. We find out in June Um, AND I'M NOT EXPECTING TO KNOW ANY OF THIS UNTIL JUNE. WE FIND OUT IN JUNE THAT THE STATE'S NOT GOING TO CONTRIBUTE THAT $1 MILLION TO THE RETIREMENT SYSTEM. THAT MEANS THE SCHOOL DISTRICT, WE CAN'T SPEND ANY MORE THAN $65 MILLION. SO WE HAVE TO COME UP WITH THAT MILLION DOLLARS um, BY MAKING CUTS TO THINGS THAT WE HAD ALREADY um, SET THE MONEY ASIDE FOR. SO WE CANNOT SPEND THAT MILLION DOLLARS REGARDLESS, WE CAN'T APPROPRIATE EXTRA TAX MONEY FOR IT, WE HAVE TO FIND WAYS TO CUT. SO um, ATTORNEY PEEL BASICALLY TOLD ME, SO THAT'S that's REALLY NOT SOMETHING THAT YOU WANT TO ACTUALLY CUT YOUR BUDGET FOR RIGHT NOW, BECAUSE WHAT YOU'LL BE DOING IS YOU'LL BE CUTTING IT TWICE. SO I TOLD HER THAT I WAS INTERESTED IN HAVING THE DISCUSSION ABOUT POSSIBLY AMENDING THE BUDGET TO ADDRESS SOME OF THE REVENUE SHORTFALL, AND SHE TOLD ME SHE AGREED THAT THAT MIGHT BE A PRUDENT THING TO DO. Um, so the way I'm, in simplistic terms here, the way I'm looking at this is we're going to have um, round one and round two. Round one is what I would like to accomplish tonight by giving board directive to administration regarding uh, where we would like to see a general theme. Now, we came up with a consensus. We came up with a board message. That's a difficult thing to do for five of us, but we did it once. I'm not sure how cohesive the message is going to be, but we're going to have to work with a majority um, consensus of the board on this, but I want to give her some direction in far, as far as what it is we're looking for, what types of cuts, what kind of dollar amounts we're looking for, and um, what I would like to do um, is have more formal discussion in detail about that Thursday night for our um, we're having an emergency meeting which that's coming further down on our agenda but I'm um, jumping the gun here and um, that is something that I am hopeful that we can adjust the budget at the deliberative session for that dollar amount whatever it is we agree to do for the potential um, increase in expenditures to the retirement system I'm going to call that round two and I would like the superintendent also to have a directive from the board. If it comes down to it in June where we have to pay a million more dollars, what is it that we are going to not spend that million dollars on? What are we going to lose um, in, in that effort to, to spend the extra million um, for the retirement? Now, the other caveat here is we talked about, you know, Roy put it very well, you can't balance a budget on pencils. Um, the majority of our budget is personnel. And as I stated to the delegation here, that puts us in a quandary that we um, are contractually obligated is April 15th, March. We have to let personnel know if we're going to offer them a continuing contract for the coming year by April 15th. Now, I'm assuming that there's probably going to be the potential for a loss of personnel in round one and round two. But, um... We're not going to know until June <laughs> whether we're going to have this um, this extra million dollars. I'm, I'm pretty much waving the revenue goodbye. I, I think at this point I, that's going to be a given. I think the retirement, I heard enough conflicting back and forth. I think there's a possibility that we may not lose that. But we still have to prepare for that. So what that means for us is that we have to um, basically put personnel on notice, and then they have to wait. WE HAVE TO WAIT, THEIR FAMILIES HAVE TO WAIT, EVERYBODY HAS TO WAIT FROM APRIL 15TH UNTIL JUNE WHEN WE GET THE MESSAGE um, FROM CONCORD ON WHAT'S GOING TO HAPPEN WITH THE BUDGET. BUT I REALLY DON'T SEE ANY OTHER WAY um, OF of APPROACHING THIS. SO, um, (coughs) MR. ORTEGA, I'M GOING TO KEEP GOING WITH WHERE IT IS I WOULD LIKE TO SEE THE BUDGET GO IF YOU'RE OKAY WITH THAT, AND THEN I'LL GIVE INDIVIDUAL BOARD MEMBERS A CHANCE TO WEIGH IN
1: absolutely okay with that.
0: Thank duty. you. I'm talking a lot here. Um, hopefully you won't have to talk a lot. So um, this, is, this is my line of thinking. The, the loss of revenue as I said, if we don't get that money this year, um, when I say this year I mean the coming budget 11-12, we're not going to be getting it for another year after that or another year after that. So that money in my opinion is going to be gone. So round one I think needs to be cuts that are sustainable. And when I su- say sustainable, that means not putting off capital projects. That means not putting off the purchase of um, computers or books that we're going to absolutely have to replace at some point in time. And this pains me greatly with all the work that we did on our capital improvement plan to make sure that we had everything even so that there was not any one given year from now on, um, for 10 years from now, that attacks. Um, spike would happen as a result of one of our capital projects. So round one, I am looking to possibly not have it affect any of those things, but it's going to be personnel. And I may be wishing for pie in the sky here, but I would love for any reduction in force um, to not greatly affect class sizes. I would love for reduction in force to not greatly um, reduce the program (coughs) offerings that we have. SO I KNOW THAT OUR ADMINISTRATION IS GOING TO HAVE TO BE um, CREATIVE, I, YOU KNOW, LOOKING AT PEOPLE WHO... I, the, KEEP keep THE PEOPLE THAT ARE IN THE CLASSROOMS IN THE CLASSROOMS. THAT'S BASICALLY MY DIRECTIVE. Um, any, ANY INEFFICIENCY, ANY WASTE, ANY WAY WE CAN DO SOMETHING BETTER, um, COMBINE EFFORTS, WORK SMARTER, NOT HARDER, THAT'S WHAT I'M GOING TO ASK um, THE SUPERINTENDENT TO DO. Um, I WOULD ALSO lose my train of thought here. Um, I'm also looking at I would be comfortable with a dollar amount and I know Roy hates when we put dollar amounts out there because and and I totally understand Roy's point of thinking it's you value something for its value you don't just throw a random number out there that means nothing but I've also learned in the couple of years that I have chaired this committee and done this work THAT IF WE DON'T GIVE THE SUPERINTENDENT SOME KIND OF A DOLLAR AMOUNT she's, um, SHE'S LOST AT WHAT IT IS WE'RE LOOKING FOR. SO I PERSONALLY DON'T THINK THAT WE CAN COME UP RESPONSIBLY, DELIVER WHAT WE NEED TO DELIVER WITH A $1.3 MILLION DOLLAR CUT NOW AND THEN ANOTHER $1 MILLION DOLLAR CUT um, IN JUNE. I DON'T THINK WE CAN DO IT. SO I'M GOING TO SAY THAT MY TARGET NUMBER WOULD BE 500,000 FOR THIS ROUND WHERE WE'RE ACTUALLY GOING TO REDUCE OUR BUDGET BY $500,000 HOPEFULLY AT THE DELIBERATIVE SESSION. And then um, if we've got another million dollars to look at in June, um, so be it. So that's the directive that I'm giving um, at this point in time. And I um, would open up the mics to other board members. Roy?
3: I'm going to go against type and say that, yeah, we do have to give a number because uh, if there's one message that I think everybody has to take away from tonight with our discussion with our legislative delegation Um, it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt everywhere because we're going to lose yeah you can't cut uh, 900 million dollars at the state level or millions of dollars from the school budget or however much the town is going to be has been cutting we know what's what's going on everywhere it's going to hurt Um, among the that means that there will be things cut at every school whether it is equipment, potentially capital projects, whether it is staff, it's also going to mean that the taxpayers are going to get hurt because I don't see a way to uh, to cut certainly not two point three million and uh, you know even one point three million in revenue, you're affecting either things that are state mandated in terms of special education or other other areas that would vastly increase our class sizes. Uh, Just to to put some numbers out there, uh, statewide averages class sizes for grades 1 and 2, 17.8 kids a class, Merrimack's at 19 already. Grades uh, 3 and 4, statewide average is 19.3, we're at 21.8, more than two kids more per class already. And grades 5 to 8, statewide average is 19.8, we're at 22.7. We're already efficient in the way we are delivering education so cutting you know percentages off the top that's real marginal Uh, you know cutting off the margins it it's really uh, more painful than you might think Um, so I think five hundred thousand dollars is a reasonable goal and I think some of the areas to look at beyond personnel I think we're going to have to change some models uh in a sustainable way for example I would look at uh, athletic supplies at the high school I I think we it's we have to look at that and I know our booster clubs do a really good job providing things for the teams um, you know whether everything from jackets to dinners and such but we might have to ask them to redirect some of that effort to maybe some of the more fundamental athletic equipment Um, and that would other co-curriculars whether at the high school or um, middle school because I have to you know take the position that education is more important than co-curricular um, I'd go back to that cut list that we had originally um, when we talked about five hundred thousand dollars coming off the budget originally and the board restored some of that we have to go right back to that I think um, that was about a hundred hundred twenty thousand hundred twelve thousand um, dollars and, and, you know, along those lines, when we look at things like furniture, again, I would look at the non-classroom furniture or the non-student furniture. So I would be much more interested in seeing bookcases and conference tables cut than desks. You know, that that's kind of the, the theme is it should be about education and what goes on in the classroom. Um, the rest, it, yeah, it, it it's lousy to have, uh, this is a great room. I'd, I'd hate to be in a dilapidated, rundown <coughs> conference room, but, you know, we can make do. But we still have to deliver a, a really high-quality public education. So I guess that's what I would think about. And then round two, if it really came to things like the retirement system, then we'd be have to, having to look at capital projects. Um, my, I did get a good feel from our delegation about what will likely happen with the retirement monies. Hopefully, it will be maintained at the 25%. I think have to think that the governor's proposal to cut it completely was, at least in some degree, posturing. You know, we cut from 35 to 25% two years ago. Um, proposing 0% makes 25% sound really good now, right? So I think that that's kind of the politics that was going on there. Um, but e- so even if we did get into that second round of a million, I don't think it should all be personal. I mean, there would have to be capital projects cut. But the main theme though is once revenue is gone, it's gone. Every time the state makes a promise that we're going to cut something but we'll put it back in two years, it never comes back in two years. We have to assume that Um, and just make this sustainable as best we can.
0: Thank you. (coughs) Jen, did you want
4: to weigh in? Yeah, I didn't bring what I had prepared um, for you earlier, but I guess going off memory, um, a FEW OF THE THINGS THAT I THOUGHT OF WERE um, SOMEWHERE IN THE in the AREA OF ASSISTANCE VERSUS TEACHERS. IF WE CAN LOOK AT THINGS LIKE THAT, um, PERHAPS THE KINDERGARTEN, THE KIA'S, THE KINDERGARTEN INSTRUCTIONAL ASSISTANCE um, ASSISTANCE ALONG THOSE LINES. Uh-huh. Uh, PERHAPS SUPPORT STAFF IN GENERAL, OFFICE STAFF, THINGS LIKE THAT THAT IS NOT NECESSARILY GOING TO AFFECT THE CLASS SIZES. AS ROY POINTED OUT, WE DON'T... I, I AGREE WITH BOTH ROY AND JODY try not to touch those and and elevate those at all. Um, And I agree at least with round one (coughs) putting that and trying to keep those capital projects um, you know to a minimum if we can try to avoid that maybe reserve those for a possible round two if we have to but again they have to be done sooner or later they have to get done so um, rather than doubling up (coughs) in the future years on projects that are just gonna cause strife then I prefer not to have to do that. Um, I'll take a look at my list again because, uh, like I said, I didn't print it out and look at that. No, I think that you, you that covered that it. Yeah, you talked about everything.
0: Yeah, assistance and um, know support the assistance staff. I assistance was a so. big thing.
4: Yep. <coughs> um, but I guess that's, okay. that's
7: it.
2: Shannon? I think uh, I, I share your sentiment as far as capital projects. I just know that if we put off the repair, it's a more expensive repair next year. Things like asbestos abatement cannot keep going on and keep being put on the back burner. We're not in a position to do that. Um, as far as classroom environments, I think that the reason we are performing at the levels we are, the reason our, our principals and our, our directors come to us with success stories is because we gave them an environment to succeed. Um, I think academics are what we're here for. Co-curriculars enhance the educational experience, but they don't they don't um, sustain it. So I think, you know, looking at co curriculars, uh, the one thing that I think I'd like to add is I know that Roy was strong to talk about sports equipment. Um, we are starting to look at academic additional activities and to make sure that as they're starting to get their footing in uh, the spotlight for competition and um, really, you know, representing us as. Ambassadors of our district that we don't um, backtrack on our initial commitment, but as we cut sports programs, or whether that be the case, and I'm I'm saying co-curriculars as a general, that we look at um, the academics and the sports in the under the same microscope with the same with the same intent. Um, I, this is the least favorite meeting I've ever had here. I envy your job much less. Uh, Marge and and Matt and Mark Um, but uh, yeah I don't think we can look at at capital projects and know that as far as considering impacting staff I was so proud of the budget we put together and um, I'm hoping we can do as much as we can to keep it as whole as possible Board
0: Member Ortega would you care to weigh in?
1: Um, Yes please Um, I'll reiterate uh, and, and uh, agree with a lot of the points that have been made um and maybe uh add some additional uh perhaps direction or clarification on on some of them um in terms of what what my thoughts are um i absolutely agree that the uh, the first round of cuts should be sustainable that that we need to um look at at these monies as as monies that aren't coming back and that we need to be able Uh, To not make a one-time cut and and to look deeper Um, and I also agree that the focus needs to be on ensuring uh, that uh, quality remains in the classroom so to representative Barry's uh, point earlier that there are no sacred cows in our case I think there are no sacred cows with the exception Of instruction provided in the classroom and I think there anything else goes Uh, Jody you mentioned you know ways of of, um, you know working differently I think one of the things that that we need to look at is how do we accomplish what we need to accomplish um, by keeping uh, teachers in the classroom Uh, one of the things I think we ought to look at is um, our use of substitutes and and the amount of money that we're spending there. Um, And I know that we're using uh, money there in order to move forward the uh, standards-based curriculum work, Um, but I think, you know, all things being what they are, I think we need to look there. I think we need to look at our use of consultants um, at this point and and say whether whether we absolutely need to do that um and so um i agree uh sustainable cuts in round one uh round two i think we can then start to look at at uh you know deferrals um on certain things if we need to um i would hope that we don't we don't see that as the case um but again I, i'm not taking anything to the bank at this point um i, I think one of the things as well this doesn't directly relate to the budget, but I think one of the things that, that we absolutely need to do as it relates to this pension is look at uh, the idea that was going around uh, not too long ago in terms of um, a class action suit uh, as it relates to the pension, uh, the the you know the amount of money that this pension is costing us, and the fact that it, you know it, it seemingly can't be sunset. Um, it, it's it's shown a long history of being u- unable to be um, corrected. I think we we need to really challenge the the the, the legality uh, of the way that this thing is set up because it's just a a, a a total unfunded mandate that that I think we need to get out from underneath.
0: All set, Chris? In terms, oh, in terms of
1: yes, in terms of uh, the budget message, yes. Hopefully, uh, what I shared is clear.
0: No, it helps. Thank you. Um, so I guess I would ask Marge if you've got a somewhat clear direction, but well, as clear as mud we are here tonight. Um, and I, round two means a million dollars is what round two means, and I think we need to prepare for that. Um, that it doesn't happen, but we need to prepare for it. So um, hearing from our delegation that they're talking about um, you know trying to get predictability, geez that would be wonderful. (laughs) Um, You know if we could if we could plan ahead of time. um, When we talk about the quantity of hours, manpower, FROM OUR ADMINISTRATORS, I MEAN, OUR TEACHERS, FROM OUR TEACHERS, OUR ADMINISTRATORS, TO THE SCHOOL BOARD, TO THE BUDGET COMMITTEE, um, THE AMOUNT OF TIME um, THAT WE HAVE PUT INTO THIS BUDGET, AND TO um, HAVE IT HAVE TO CHANGE THIS DRASTICALLY AT THIS POINT IN TIME. LIKE I SAID, I KNOW I'M, I'm FEELING GLAD THAT WE'RE, WE'VE GOT A DELIBERATIVE <coughs> SESSION YET, BUT STILL, um, I SAID HOW MANY YEARS AGO WHEN I RAN THE FIRST TIME AROUND? That how can town, municipalities, and school districts be expected to craft a budget, not having an idea um, what's going to be coming down from the state level until June. And um, I think because we've got such fine administrators, we've got a um, top-notch business administrator who is so good at what he does. All of our administration is so good at what they do that they've been able to predict some of the ebbs and flows, and we've been able to come pretty close TO WHAT IT'S GOING TO BE, BUT, but A CHANGE OF THIS MAGNITUDE, um, IT'S JUST, IT'S MADE THIS ALMOST IMPOSSIBLE. SO ANYWAY, I WON'T um, BELABOR THAT ANYMORE. Um, I GUESS WE'RE READY TO MOVE ON TO THE NEXT AGENDA ITEM. WELL, AND FOR MY INTENT, JUST TO MAKE THIS PERFECTLY CLEAR TO PEOPLE, um, SO WE'LL TALK ABOUT THE ADDITIONAL SCHOOL BOARD MEETINGS, ITEM NUMBER 9, BUT IT'S OUR INTENT TO HAVE AN EMERGENCY MEETING THIS COMING THURSDAY and um, at that meeting is when the superintendent will come back to the board and give us the specifics. And I'm hoping that we as a board will come to some kind of at least a majority consensus on what it is that we're willing to swallow. And um, then I'm basically going to be looking uh, for a school board member to um, make a motion at the deliberative session. No secrets. This is how it's going to play out. I'm not trying to sweep anything under the carpet or hide anything from anybody, but um, hopefully we can come to some kind of consensus on $500,000 that we can live with, and then it's my intent to have the school board amend the budget um, at the deliberative session. That's what I, how I would like to see this play out, just so that my um, the school board intent is clear. I have um, had conversations with people. I wouldn't, you know, throw this out there and take anybody off guard, um, and I'm, I'm thinking that is the general thought of the board, that the direction we need to go and administration is aware of um, my intent as well so item number eight warrant presentations for deliberative session on March 7 2011 in your packet now Chris and Shannon you're going to be the only ones that haven't gone through this before this is this is the fun part of the deliberative session what we do is um, we present each warrant article and uh, we'll have one school board member present it, we'll have another school board member second it, and then we will have the school board member who um, made the motion um, speak to it. The school district operating budget is not the school board's operating budget, it is the school budget committee's budget, so it is the school budget committee that will present um, the uh, operating budget to the voters at the deliberative session. So we start with item number two, and we actually do a grid. I took the liberty of plugging names in. If you absolutely don't want to do this one, go ahead and throw something at me now. But typically, what we do is what, like um, the MTA contract. Roy was the lead negotiator for that, so I would ask Roy to present that Warren article. That's that's kind of how how we roll with this. So um, and trying and not to give. Um, you know, give something that might take a little bit more um, clarification to somebody who's who's worked on it. So I came up with item number, article number two, uh, gifts and property, which is a, it's a housekeeping warrant article. We have to do it every year saying that we can accept gifts and grants under $5,000. Um, we we have to put it on the ballot every year, unlike the town. So Shannon, I was wondering if you would be so kind as to present that at the deliberative session. And then, Jennifer, would you be so kind as to second it? Then, as I stated, the um, article number three, which is going to be presenting the um, Merrimack Teachers Association contract, I would ask Roy if he would present that and speak to it, and then I would second since I was on the negotiating team. And then the, um, in the event that that contract should fail, there's a um, trailer warrant article, which basically gives us the um, opportunity to reconvene. All right, Matt, what's the legalities? Could you just explain clearly, better than I am, what that article states?
5: Sure. If the uh, contract were to fail, uh, this gives you uh, an option to hold one more meeting to address cost items only of the contract. Um, if you don't have this, you'd have to petition Superior Court for a special meeting. They only allow those in cases of emergency. So this allows you to do that if you choose to do that.
0: Thank you, Matt. And Mr. Ortega, I was wondering if you'd be so kind as to present Article Number 4.
1: I would be happy to, Tony.
0: And Shannon, would you second that? And then article number five, the uh, capital reserve fund for the uh, superintendent's office, special ed building. Jennifer, I was wondering if you would be so kind as to present that. And Chris, Mr. Ortega, would you please, there's no other Chris's in the room, I don't think, so I can just say Chris now. Would you um, be willing to second that? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, And I also wanted to let you know that the um, school planning and building committee, which we have a member sitting in our audience, Finley the Roth house they're working actually on a um, PowerPoint presentation which I'm gonna let um, once I can let Lynn Christensen know who's going to present what they're working on a PowerPoint presentation that basically is going to be um, a readers digest condensed version of their report to explain to people what the study consisted of what the charge consisted of everything that they looked at and they're going to um, basically what we will do is we will move that forward I'm going to ask Lynn if she would allow um, the chair of the school planning and building committee Rich Hendricks to present his powerpoint to the people because I think it might hopefully answer a lot of people's questions um, and that's that's how I expect to play that out and then the chair of the um, budget committee Andy Schneider will come forward and present article number eight so do we have any questions on any of that Marge did I miss anything
5: you
9: know you covered everything I would just ask just to, uh
0: oh I keep saying and I keep saying eight yeah so just you. just put six
9: down we'll have another one for you that night but just to be correct
0: thank you Marge so we're all set with that okay now the long-awaited request for two additional school board meeting dates in March Marge
9: um <coughs> uh, Jody has already um alluded uh, to this fact um, as we conferred um, about tonight's meeting and the fact that this would be the first opportunity that you would have to talk with the legislative delegation about what was going on in Concord and how that probably was going to impact our budget, it seemed um, important to try and see if we could have a meeting in preparation for Monday night's deliberative session. So the only time, really, that uh, seemed possible was this Thursday, March 3rd. So if you're amenable to that, um, my hope would be that we would meet in the um, high school cafeteria as normal at at 730, um, and we'd have a sole focus. And it would be on just preparing um, for a possible amendment for Monday night. So is that something that all of you would be able to do?
0: And I know, um, Chris, I know that you're going to be out of town for the week because we already chatted about that. Okay. But everyone else yes, can, that's correct. Anyone else can be there? Yes. Okay.
9: So then the second piece was, if you look at the month of March, you realize that there are always two meetings devoted to the board's work, the first and third Mondays. Um, we have a lot going on right now. You can see tonight, 18-point agenda, and, and we've got more things to come. So we gave up our first meeting for the good of the deliberative sessions so that the town and the school district could have all of its meetings in one week. Um, To that end, um, I feel the need for us to continue to have two meetings. So what I'm asking is, in addition to March 21st, which is already set, would you be willing to meet on Monday, March 14th, as an additional meeting?
0: Chris, would you be able to meet on March 14th?
1: I'm checking my calendar
0: now. Okay. The four of us are saying yes.
1: I have no issue.
0: Okay, terrific. Thank you. That's
9: great. That helps a lot. So we're all set on that
0: one then. Thank you, Marge. So Uh,
3: what is the requirement for publicly posting our meeting for Thursdays at 24 hours? It
9: will be right, and it will be up tomorrow morning. It will be the first thing that we do.
0: All set? All right, item number 10, Town's request to take ownership of sewer line servicing the Merrimack Middle School. Also in your packet is a letter addressed to the uh, chair of the school board from the town council chair Tom Koenig Um, and as you are all aware um, Marge and I had a a meeting with town manager Keith Hickey and town council chair Tom Koenig. They had indicated that um, a developer, why don't I just read the letter out loud. Um, dear Mrs. Valencourt, thank you for taking the time to meet with the town manager and I on February 4th to discuss the town taking ownership of the sewer line currently serving the Merrimack Middle School. Recently, the town was approached by a developer who was interested in constructing a residential subdivision on Old Blood Road and would like to connect to the existing sewer line. During our meeting, Matt Chevanel indicated that the last time the sewer line was examined to determine if the existing sags in the line had stabilized was approximately two years ago, and that no degradation in the line as built had been observed. This sign of stability was a primary concern for the town at the time and a requirement for the town to take ownership. I indicated that I thought it would be prudent to examine the line again at the town's expense prior to placing the acceptance of the sewer line on a town council agenda. If the board is interested, if the school board is interested in the town taking ownership of the sewer line, please let me know at your earliest convenience. We would expect to be able to share the as built and evaluation data as a precursor to that acceptance. This is something that Matt, meaning Matt Chevonelle, indicated should not be a problem. Thank you for your consideration. So um, basically, I'm looking for consensus on the board. I don't think we need to put this to a formal vote. But I'm going to ask if anyone has um, any objection to the town council's request. Um, I am all for it. We've never wanted to be in the business of owning sewer lines. Um, I know Matt's very willing to share the information as requested. So, Mr. Ortega, do you have any objections?
1: I have no objections. I I just, uh, is there a reason we don't put it to a vote?
0: Um, no, if, if you would prefer, we could absolutely do that. We don't need to, but we can if someone would like that. That's fine. Okay. All right. Then let's put it to a vote. We'll do a roll call vote. Um, is there a motion? Roy? Uh,
3: I move that we, um, offer ownership of the sewer line serving uh, Merrimack Middle School to the town.
0: Is there a second? Shannon? Any further discussion? Okay, we'll take the roll call vote. Board Member Barnes, how do you vote? In favor. Board Member Swanger? In favor. And Vice Chair Thornton? In favor. Board Member Ortega?
1: In favor. And the
0: chair votes in favor. So it passes 5-0-0. So Marge, will you communicate please to the um, town council chair that we've approved their request? (coughs) Thank you. Item number 11, modification to the 2010-11 school calendar. Marge?
7: Um,
9: given the fact that uh, we, have, we have taken uh, four inclement weather days and looking at the calendar for the remainder of the year, um, I come before you tonight um, requesting that we take the teacher workshop day, which has been planned for Wednesday, March 23rd, And turn that into a school day um, for children. Um, The professional development day for educators then um, would be um, split into two parts um, of two three-hour sessions that would occur after school hours in each of the six buildings in either March, April, or May. The principals and Mark McLaughlin will work together to restructure the day because obviously something was already in place for um, the full day. Um, By doing that, if the board is willing to do that, that would mean that our tentative last day is June 21st instead of June 22nd. And what I'm trying to do is to make sure that um, we just gain another day because I fear that we're not through all of the inclement weather yet. And I want to make sure um, that we don't go on beyond those days in that that given week so this is really my only opportunity and I also did not want to tamper with April vacation because I've had um, some conversation with parents who are very concerned that that might be a direction that we'd go in and I just want to allay all fear um, that we are not not going there Um, I have in my deliberations with the MTA officers, just talk to them briefly about if I were to go in this direction, um, what would they favor? And clearly um, it is to have these sessions um, at the end of the given day when they're already here as compared to putting an extra day on at the end of the year, which doesn't make much much sense or it's good learning.
0: Thank you, Marge. Um, Are there any questions? Uh, SPEAKING TO PROCESS, ALSO, um, BECAUSE THIS IS A TIMELY REQUEST, IT'S COMING UP um, NEXT MONTH, I WOULD ASK WHOEVER WERE WILLING TO MAKE A MOTION TO ALSO ADD TO THE MOTION THE CONSIDERATION FOR WAIVING THE TWO-WEEK RULE SO THAT WE CAN GIVE um, PARENTS AND STAFF A CLEAR INDICATION uh, TONIGHT OF WHAT what THIS DAY IS GOING TO LOOK LIKE. SO IS THERE
2: A MOTION ON THE FLOOR? SHANNON? I MOVE TO ACCEPT THE MODIFICATION TO THE 2010-2011 CALENDAR waiving the two-week rule. Is there a second?
0: Roy? Um, Mr. Ortega, do you have any other questions or did you want to weigh in before I put this motion to a vote?
1: No, I I, I would just add uh, uh, the comment that I appreciate um, uh, folks' willingness to to work after hours on on the workshops in order to um, keep the calendar. I think it it goes in line with... um, some of what we were talking about earlier in terms of working, you know, more efficiently to to get things done. So, thank you.
0: Thank you. Any further discussion? Put the motion to a vote. Board member Barnes, how do you vote? In favor. Board member Swanger?
1: In
3: favor.
0: Vice chair Thornton? In favor. Board member Ortega? In favor. And the chair votes <laughs> in favor. Passes 5-0-0. <laughs> Item number 12, second review of proposed school calendar for 2011 and 12. Marge?
9: Thank you. Um, This is really uh, giving you, as Jody points out, the second review of the draft A calendar. And what I wanted to do is just to highlight three dates because those were the dates on which um, board members had comments when I offered the calendar the first time. One of the things that I heard clearly was that if we were to keep with the half days, that rather than try and switch day of the week or whatever, that for parents um, it was much easier for them if we held these days on a Friday. So in going back and talking to the leadership team, if we were to have um, one on February 24th, it would be right before uh, the intended vacation, which would help families. Um, But the other thing it would help us do is we would have that be an internal day um, and we would have received our kneecap scores in January. So by that time, we would have had a chance to do some analysis of those scores. So we could clearly see that if we were to use that date, we'd be able to put these two things together. Then uh, there was the hope that we would take the half-day that had been set aside on the voting day, which is April 10th. That was a half-day, if you recall and um, the thought was it might make more sense to just make a full teacher workshop day on that day so when that happened i went back to march 28th which had been the designated full teacher workshop day and turned that into a school day so if you look at those three dates i believe those were the only issues that you had with draft day so what i would say FOR THE BOARD'S DELIBERATION WHEN YOU COME TOGETHER NOW ON MARCH 14TH TO MAKE A FINAL DECISION ABOUT HOW NEXT YEAR WOULD LOOK, DRAFT A IS is PERFECTLY PUT. DRAFT B, YOU HAVE A SENSE OF IT, BUT IT'S STILL IN FLEX BECAUSE WE DON'T KNOW WHAT THAT ONE DATE WOULD BE, BUT AT LEAST NOW THERE WILL BE THE TWO um, CALENDARS, AND I'LL NOW FOCUS more on if we were to go to one polling site what would four calendars look like for the outlay but do you have any issue with what's been put forward in this second review for draft day
2: shannon the only question i would have and and pull me back if i'm on the wrong date but for january 13th the half day teacher workshop with monday being the holiday Would that be a date that we could flex... Is that the date we would consider flexing to a full day for the presidential primary?
9: No. Um, Well, you can't say that. Um,
2: If we choose to make one polling station, I'm saying. Yeah.
9: I probably... Well, first of all, if if we go to that, we probably wouldn't have half teacher workshop days. You know, we would just stay with full ones. Um, I think... There is going to be so much to take care of. We're just making the change that we think right now that would not make best sense, you know, to do that. Um, but I see where you're going with the concept.
2: Mm-hmm. And I guess the other question I have, because um, this is a first-year freshman freshman error question, um, how quickly does it take for us to analyze cap scores and, God forbid, uh, saying that the they come in January, would that give us any time to look at them if we chose to do a workshop day for, say, a presidential primary?
9: I think um, the administration, given the fact that what we were trying to do is to look for a Friday where it made some sense to mm-hmm. try thing, tie things together. Um, the building administration just felt um, that with a month's time, if you will, that was proper. We'd give them a chance to set up um, a time to to have it be a meaningful experience. So. I was just so focused on trying to see what else I could put together um, to come up you and tie it to a vacation, tie it um, to a meaningful exercise. That's as far as I went.
2: Well, I'm very happy with this as it stands now, so thank you very much for taking that into account.
0: Roy?
3: Yeah, I I just thought it was worth, instead of talking draft A and draft B, but for those uh, watching on television, the the difference. Both calendars that we're looking at have vacations that are – the week after Massachusetts in February and April. So we've been on the ball (laughs) for this year. Believe me, we've had that in the forefront of our minds the entire time we've been formulating this. The difference would be um, if we took on the uh, single polling place at the high school, we would have one full-day teacher workshop on whatever the presidential primary day turned out to be. Currently, we're thinking that's mid-February, but... YOU KNOW, EVEN THIS WEEK FLORIDA IS TALKING ABOUT TRYING TO JUMP AHEAD AND PUSHING US BACK INTO JANUARY. Um, THE OTHER OPTION IS TO HAVE TWO HALF-DAY TEACHER WORKSHOPS, ONE ON THE FRIDAY BEFORE MARTIN LUTHER KING'S BIRTHDAY, THE OTHER ON THE FRIDAY BEFORE VACATION. SO THAT'S THE ONLY DIFFERENCE BETWEEN THE TWO CALENDARS.
0: THANK YOU, ROY. CHRIS, DID YOU WANT TO WEIGH IN ON THE CHANGES THAT THE SUPERINTENDENT MADE TO THE PROPOSED CALENDAR?
1: No, thank you, Jody. I understand what she did.
0: Thank you, Chris. So we're all set for now, Marge, on this? Okay. All right. So we already did item number thirteen. We're on item number fourteen. Other, is there any correspondence to come before the board tonight? Comments? Um I know it's really late, and bear with me here, I'll make it brief, but I I feel the need to make a comment um, regarding some of the, um, the, it's budget time, it's politics time, it's election time, and there's some buzz out there um, with some very erroneous, incorrect information, and that disturbs me, and I need to set the record straight regarding the proposed um, negotiated teacher's contract. And I'm hearing a lot of um, buzz out there about, can you believe in this economic time they're giving teachers raises? Um, they're giving teachers raises and the town's, and the town's cutting um, police and fire. And unfortunately, some of these um, little political sound bites and accusations are coming from members of the town government. And that's, that's what really concerns me because... In my opinion, you cannot discuss any salary action without discussing health care and potential health care concessions. You just, any union contract that you negotiate you cannot discuss one without the other and to simply state that we're giving teachers raises um, and just say can you believe the outrage of giving teachers raises in this economic climate to me that's misleading, um, it's irresponsible, it's inaccurate. So I want to make it very clear why why I wholeheartedly support this negotiated contract Um, and for one thing, it's the right thing to do. But um, as I've stated time and time again, the, the teachers, um, the Merrimack Teachers Association was extremely receptive and understanding of what kind of economic realities we're facing. And the health care concessions they gave were of a very large magnitude. They understand what they need to do. Um, and when I talk about huge, I'm talking about close to half a million dollars for next year alone. So, um, and I've been accused of spinning the numbers. I've been accused of all kinds of things. Um, Again, it's right out there. I know that the draft warrant article can be a little confusing to read, and I promised everyone that I will talk about it as much as I can. We're going to have a voter's guide go out there, deliberative session. We're going to be as clear as we can to explain it. Um, The total cost to taxpayers for this contract, if it's approved, is $180,000. And I'm not trying to hide that, I'm not trying to spin it, that's a fact, that's the math. So what that means is if this contract fails, yes, teachers' salaries will be frozen. However, we will be paying another close to $450,000 in health care costs. So I guess you boil down to whether you want to give... whatever the dollar amount is, $1,000 to the health insurance companies, or whether you'd rather see $180,000 go to the teacher salaries. And as Roy has pointed out several times, um, and he pointed it out very nicely at the school budget committee, while I do believe our teachers are fairly compensated in Merrimack, our teachers are not above the average. As a matter of fact, if you compare the teachers in Merrimack, their salaries surrounding towns, we are below average. I mean, it's not dramatic, but we are still below average. So it's not like these raises, this $180,000 that we're going to be issuing is going to... um, put the Merrimack teacher's salary so far out of whack with what the market can bear. So I just, um, I'm, I'm going to talk about it to anybody who will listen. This contract is something that I, I so believe in. I believe it's the right thing for the um, school district, I believe it's the right thing for the teachers, I believe it's the right thing for the kids, and I absolutely believe that it's the right thing for the taxpayers in this town. We heard about all kinds of things we can't control in this room tonight well health care costs are going up I can guarantee that and now we've got a situation where we can actually control and the teachers win in this too because they're paying more out-of-pocket for their health care so if we contain their health insurance costs, it's a benefit to them as well it's a win-win situation so we know health care is going to go up um, it, it increases just about every year we had that one really really bizarre year where it didn't but then the following year it went up twenty percent So um, that's one thing I'm pretty sure of is going to happen. So why would we not want to um, change our cost driver from a point-of-service plan to a lower-cost HMO plan? The teachers have agreed to change their options. So their option is going to change to a plan where they're paying higher uh, out-of-pocket co-payments, deductibles. There's going to be money coming out of their pocket. It's a cheaper plan. I cannot for the life of me understand why somebody would argue with the savings that this contract um, has available to the taxpayers in town. So got it off my chest. That's my two cents. Um, I'm just, I'm very disappointed that there are those um, who our contract has been made available to and who are familiar with contracts and who are familiar with negotiating union contracts and that they would put something as irresponsible out there as talking about the salary increases without talking about the health insurance concessions. That's very, very concerning and disturbing to me and I can assure you that I would not do the same to someone else. So anyone else care to weigh in?
3: Roy, um, just want to say, first of all, question: Is the contract uh, available to anyone who would like to see it? The the draft proposed contract. Do we have that available online? I'm
5: not sure it's online, but we okay. have.
3: If if so, any anyone who's interested in the the full text of the contract, it, it is available. We have the draft version now. Uh, I encourage you to to take a look at it. I've I've been very impressed with. Um, First of all, everybody that we negotiated the contract with, it was very professional negotiation, and we continue to see times such as uh, dealing with the calendar where there's been great flexibility shown by the Merrimack Teachers Association. And if you, if you look at the, uh, the environment we're in, uh, we've got, we see a labor impasse in Nashua. We see impasse in Brookline. We see impasse in Hollis. And these are, in many cases, um, in, um, uh, in Amherst also, in many cases they are uh, in, in situations where the health care costs in particular, uh, there are some of these districts that are paying 95% of their health care costs right now, um, which is, in, in this environment, uh, so far out of whack, and yet they are unable to come to grips with it, and now they're going to spend legal money, fighting an impasse and going through due process and such. We had a very good negotiation, came up with what I think is a very fair contract. We all wish there was more money around on all sides. We've been through uh, tonight to show in part why it isn't around. So I I am happy to talk to anybody who wants to discuss the details of this contract. I obviously uh, was immersed in it for a couple of months, but uh, our chair gave a very good dissertation on why it makes sense to pass it and i hope that people will come out to uh, support it at the deliberative session
0: thank you roy chris did you want to weigh in
1: yeah I, I would i would echo that that you did a great job of uh summarizing uh the the benefits of this contract and and i would only add that um the the concessions that were made were not um Concessions that obviously they have a benefit to us in 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 terms of next year, um, but these are long term uh, changes that I think are going to uh, help the district year after year after year, as you pointed out are are the the line items that that tend to grow as we mentioned are, are things like the pension and health care where we see these these wildly swinging increases, and what we've done in terms of health care. Um, on both sides uh, of the table is um, uh, establish something that's going to control the rate of growth of, of that line for both the district um, and the employees. Um, and the bottom line is, as it relates to next year, is, as you, again, uh, very well put it, it it's either a 500000 or roughly $500,000 increase or the 180000 and, and you know, obviously, $180,000 makes m- much more sense than 500000 Thank you, Chris. I fully support the contract.
0: Thank you. Any other comments? Seeing none. New business. Marge, I know you had something you wanted to present tonight. I do tonight. have
9: something. Um, one of the other things that we have going on is that we're preparing um, an annual report that is passed out um, on... Of the day of voting you might remember it comes in various colors every year one of the things that I would like to propose doing and, and I'm seeking the board's insight here is that we do um, a beginning page in memoriam to Claude Lovett who was the superintendent in Merrimack for 24 years remember I talked about his passing in January um, normally um, annual reports don't necessarily speak to people but we have had them in some years where there's been a dedication to someone and the last time we had an memoriam was in 2003 for two long-serving teachers at merrimack high school kenneth robbins monteith and eugene whittemore Um, and um, this is how the page looks and it's at the very beginning of the annual report i didn't want to be assumptive and so my question is would any of you have a problem if we make the first page um, in memory of Claude Levitt.
0: Chris, pretty much everybody's shaking their head no that they wouldn't have a problem with it. Are you okay with that? Uh,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll say I, I have no problem and think it's a wonderful idea as well.
0: Thank you, Chris. I agree. I don't, can't think of anybody more fitting um, to have a dedication to than Claude Levitt. so thank you, Marge. We appreciate you all bringing that idea forward. Any other new business? Committee reports, number 16. Shannon?
2: Uh, Greater Woods subcommittee met on the 10th. Uh, we're not quite ready. Uh, as I said, it was a target and pencil that we put together to present to the Conservation Commission. Um, unfortunately, which I think most people at home may have already heard, uh, Walter Warren had passed away, and that puts a bit of a, a mix in his uh, former department or the department of economic development as it stands today. Everyone's taking on new roles, so getting into things like mapping, et cetera, in, in, in a state of such flux, we're, in, it, we're just keeping an open-ended date at this point for the Conservation Commission. However, um, before presenting to the Conservation Commission, we also talked about presenting to abutters. And I think you know we, as a school district, technically are abutters, but um, abutters to um, residential areas as well, to show them the plan, what we've worked on the and that kind of thing, so there will be an invitation going out to those interested in the community in general so uh when we say buyers, they don't have to abut the property, they can be in the neighborhood that abuts the property, so um like conservation drive all that neighborhood be invited, et cetera, just to give them a look at the plan, what we've worked on, uh get any feedback or response and and before we go to the conservation commission, at least make sure there's outside eyes instead of just, you know, the eyes that see it every month to give a final input. So that's the latest with that that committee at this point. Um, Yeah, Parks and Rec did not meet in February for lack of quorum.
0: Roy, did you have a committee report?
3: Um, Yeah, well, planning and building um, committee, we uh, went before the planning board with the capital improvement plan and also discussed the uh, CONSOLIDATED SAU SPED OFFICE AND uh, GOT UNANIMOUS APPROVAL FOR uh, THE CAPITAL IMPROVEMENT PLAN WITH EVERYTHING BEING DEEMED NECESSARY AND ALSO uh, FOR THE uh, the CONSOLIDATED SPED OFFICE. IT WAS A, a VERY POSITIVE MEETING WITH uh, GOOD FEEDBACK and, uh, AND THE PLANNING AND BUILDING COMMITTEE WAS ROUNDLY p- PRAISED FOR THE DETAIL AND THOROUGHNESS OF THE REPORT.
0: THANK YOU, ROY. JEN, DID YOU HAVE ANYTHING? Um, ON VALENTINE'S DAY, I Spent my evening with the school planning and building committee in Roy's stead in preparation for one of the things they um, talked about was preparing for that meeting, um, and I did watch the planning board meeting and and I was very pleased um, they were extremely complimentary of the, the proposal and the work that the school planning and building committee had done. They said it was probably one of the most professional presentations they'd ever seen as a. As a planning board, but um, at the school planning and building community meeting that I attended, they uh, were working on the PowerPoint presentation, and they also were working on their um, message, their year-end, their annual message um, that they're going to bring forward. So, gave them some input um, from the school board on their PowerPoint, and um, I know Rich is going to have it ready and run it um, run it by a few people too, just to um, make sure it's ready for prime time on March 7th. And uh, February 8th, I also attended the Program Evaluation and Review Committee meeting, PERC, and um, this is a very, very exciting um, proposal for me, and I'm not going to do it justice tonight. It's late and everybody's tired, but um, Jeff Capone was there. He's our videography teacher at the high school, and um, Tom Putney, the department chair, um, was also with him, and he presented his... um, proposal and I've got a copy of the proposal he did such a great job with the proposal if any of you are interested in reading it for a TV production course at the high school and it's his intention to make use of that television um, facility that now our good friends at Merrimack TV have their um, facilities over here in Town Hall so um, he had a very detailed description of what the course outlines um, would be that would be offered he's planning on um, Teaching these courses. I know there's a uh, few other teachers at the high school, mm-hmm. Trace Sleeper, and I thought there's someone else too that helps with some of the videography Jan Moynihan, courses. And Jan Moynihan Cooney does some of that. So um, but he's basically got uh, programs, television production, then he's got um, a media program expansion proposal for 2012 and beyond. And he talks about what um, he envisions as the Merrimack High School Media Department. He talks about real-world opportunities, and he's got his long-term media goals. And he's also going to be offering um, some of these courses as um, honors courses, honors-level courses. So um, some really great ideas from the high school and Jeff Capone and the videography um, department. And he. Uh, Some very good questions were asked about some of the specifics at the meeting, but overall the um, committee was in complete and total support of of his proposal. So that was that. Um, Any other committee reports? We are on item number seven, public comments on agenda items. We have some hearty souls still sitting
16: here. (laughs) Yes. Is this on? Okay. Uh, I am Debbie McLaughlin I am the president of the Merrimack Teachers Association and I just wanted to say that uh, on behalf of all the teachers we really thank you for all all of your support that you have shown us in um, getting a new contract uh, together to put before the residents in Merrimack and that we hope that the uh, the residents will come to the delivered session on Monday night and, uh, so that they can learn more about it and understand fully what it really means. And we hope that everybody in Merrimack will support this contract because it really is what's best for teachers and for residents. And most important, for your kids, for your students. So thank you so much for all your support.
0: Thank you, Debbie. Any other public comment tonight?
13: Matt Publicover, 75 Amherst Road. Uh, In the interest of full disclosure, I am a member of the Budget Committee, but I'm not speaking on behalf of the Budget Committee, but simply as one member of it. Um, This has obviously turned into an unusual budgeting year, and I don't envy you the actions that you have to take at this point. Um, As you pointed out, technically the budget that gets presented is the Budget Committee's budget, but yet the Some of the most important action that's going to be taking place over the next several days will happen outside the purview of the Budget Committee. So just to give you the two cents of one member, if I were trying to find $500,000 to cut, one of the things that I would consider, I know you were all talking about the importance of preserving the capital improvements, but one of the things I would consider would be the $200,000 for the two entrances at the two elementary schools. Whereas the other capital improvements that you're talking about are in fact needed maintenance that if they are put off will eventually have to be done or we have a legal obligation such as the asbestos eventually to take care of. The the schools have existed for I believe at least 20 years in the current form. And if the entrances are not modified next year they certainly won't be any worse than they are now. And in fact if they aren't done for two years they won't be any worse than they've been for the last 20 years. So I would say, given the fact that we are looking at the possibility of trimming um, additional staff, uh, classroom assistants, or whatever else might be on the table, I would think uh, this $200,000 should be uh, put on the table as something possible to contribute towards the $500,000. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Matt. Any other comments? We will sign the manifest and now I have to take a roll call vote to adjourn is that correct Marge should. so I will entertain a motion to adjourn made by Roy seconded by Shannon now we're going to do a roll call vote board member Barnes how do you vote
2: wicked in
1: favor
0: <laughs> board member Swanger in favor vice-chair Thornton in favor board member Ortega
1: opposed no I'm kidding. <laughs> in favor Yeah, you're in California
0: in in a hotel room. What do you care? And the chair votes in favor. Motion passes 5-0-0. Thank you very much. Thank you, Merrimack Television, tonight for the wonderful accommodations. We appreciate it. Good night.